Anchor FM is one of the best ways to make and distribute your podcasts. Their online creative tools can allow you to make your podcasts from home and on the go. Anchor will also help you get your podcast sponsored with no minimum listenership and help you make money while doing your podcast. And distribution is the easiest thing ever. I've used many different distribution sites. Anchor so far has been the best. And they can get you on every major distribution site out there. They can take your RSS feed, whether you're creating a new one or if you're just moving a show from another platform, sign up for Anchor at anchor.fm now. And when you get there, Make sure you pay attention to everything they tell you to do, and they'll help make your podcast great and help make you some money. Again, head on over to anchor.fm now. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wide Men Can't Jump. It's episode 106. And what? Really? No. All right, uh, Shackelford tells me we've got uh, breaking news. Well, ladies and gentlemen, breaking news right now. Uh, apparently, where are we where are we going? Philly. Okay, we're heading to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania um, to let you know what's happening. Something huge is apparently taking place. Nilakina, a below average three-point shooter there. Simmons! Yes! He did it! Ben Simmons! Hold me back, Ben! Maybe now they'll finally leave him alone after that. He hits the three as first in his NBA career. That's right. Ben Simmons has made his first career three-point shot, and we've been looking all over trying to get reactions from the celebrities in and around the world on Ben Simmons' first made three-pointer, but the only person we could get in contact with was Tracy Lawrence of country music fame, and Tracy had a very simple statement. Tracy, go ahead. Let the listeners know what you thought about Ben Simmons' first made three. Well, thank you, Tracy Lawrence, for weighing in on that. We did just recently get a comment from lead singer of Motley Crue, Vince Neal. Vince, let us know what you thought of Ben Simmons making that three-point shot. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Ben Simmons has made a three-point shot in the NBA. What news? What a way to start this episode. And then... And in other news, the world is dark today, because the sun is fucking falling out of the sky. Yes, as you just heard, Tracy Lawrence, hell just froze over tonight. Ben Simmons has made a three. We're going to talk about that and so much more here on Wide Men Can't Jump. It's Nate and Tim. Let's do it. You're listening to Wide Men Can't Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com slash wide men can't jump. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen T. New at newlawoffice.com, stripcamfun.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC located at facebook.com backslash Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC, as well as at Stay Classy Meets at stayclassymeets.com where you can use promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order and receive a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. 
This show talks about NBA and covers all topics from all 30 teams in the league and includes guests from experts from all over the world. Make sure you're downloading us on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and more. Be sure to join in on the fun over at WideMenCan'tJump.com as well as on our Facebook group, Wide Men Can't Jump, and follow us on Twitter at Wide Jump. Now, let's go to the flagship program of this Wide Men Radio Network. Here's Wide Men Can't Jump. 172 games is how many it took for Ben Simmons to make his first career three-point shot. Okay, that's his first attempt? No, that's his first make. Okay, how many attempts does he have? Let me get to, let me check. Not not <laughs> many, I'm I'm guessing cuz cuz I'm going to I'm going to wonder now if he does not attempt another one for the rest of the game and then they can throw up the stat that he was, you know, we don't know what you're talking about. He was perfect that game against the Knicks. One for one. Hold on, let me let me get here. I'm I'm certain. I mean, I know he doesn't I know he doesn't try many. Apparently, in his career, his statistics, he has averaged for his career 0.1 three-point attempts. 0.1. So he takes what? Not many. I mean, that's what, eight a year? maybe, Maybe not. Well, that's t- point one is ten ten percent in eighty two games. Let's say if you played eighty two, would be eight shots a year. Eight let's see here. O of thirteen in February is what um, is is the last note I can find. Hmm. That just he was, uh, I, I, I let's just I'm uninspired by Ben Simmons making a three point shot. Um, good. Good for him, but that hardly gets the monkey off his back for not being able to shoot him. Because you made for one. real. Yeah, he's made one. He's made one in 172 games. So congratulations, Ben. That a boy, Ben. You rip. Way him. to do it. I mean, thank God the guy does other things. Well, he wouldn't be in the league if he did. He wouldn't be in the league if he didn't do other things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he'd, be, he'd be sitting here with me and you. <laughs> bitching about some other guy who doesn't shoot. I mean, okay, Ben Simmons now has officially one more three-point NBA shot made more than me. So, you got me, Ben. Oh, well, I, got I don't me. know, because I'm going to say that that one in the pros, I mean, how many does it take on the schoolyard to make up for that one in the pros? Well, one. he did have pros guarding him, so... I'll give him credit there. So he's made one more professional three-point shot than I. I'm going to dig up Ben Simmons' career stats. I will get to the bottom of this number because I am I'm not <laughs> I am not impressed. We've got to know. Let me, let me know, tell you what. Yeah. Let me tell you what we've got, Tim, about when it comes to Ben Simmons' career three-point shots. We've got this. Oh, 
That's right. We've got a constant craving for more Ben Simmons career stats. I have a feeling that you are going to crave that three-pointer for quite some time. (laughs) Um, For real. You know, (laughs) I'm on basketball reference. Looking at Looking at his, looking at his stats, and it just looks hilarious because in the three-point column, it's just zero. Yeah, there's nothing else but zeros until this game. Oh my god! His his, I mean, in most of the years, his three-point percentage is zero. They just they don't even bother to put it in there. It's just zero. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 awful. So. <laughs> Well, congratulations, wow. kid. You made one. And if that announcer thinks that we're going to lay off of him for making one, uh, no, you moron. He was the number one overall pick, and he can't shoot, and he's not a post-up yeah. player. Get out of here. <laughs> who, the point who guard who can't fucking shoot. Who was they? Maybe they'll get off his back. No, pretty much everyone. <laughs> everybody? Uh, who is Lester. Whoever they is? Yeah, I Pretty mean, much everybody? Uh, let's see here. Apparently Twitter, no is a, apparently, Twitter is ablaze after this. Uh, uh, as you know how Twitter can blow up about things. That Anything? Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah. And we ain't going there, but anyway. No, we're not. Ben Simmons, well done, sir. Uh, that's one. You've only got about, well, I don't know. And we got to make like another hundred this season to impress me, maybe. <laughs> even then, I'm not so sure. Yeah, and, I'm then, a, I'm still... and I'm not a and I'm not a Ben Simmons hater by any stretch, but Ben Ben should be able to shoot a three with some regularity, and he doesn't even attempt them with some regularity. So, yeah, makes no sense. Not really. really. I mean, we're getting super excited, and you think that you think that the guy just won, you know, the yeah, MVP on the last shot. You think we were talking somebody's about already half. somebody on Twitter's already put the Titanic music behind it. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm the king of the world. Somebody, <laughs> well, needs, somebody needs to make a meme with J, him and James Harden now, yeah, or Steph yeah. Curry, or somebody like that would be a big deal. It's hilarious that Ben Simmons <laughs> makes his first career three on seven years to the day. Um, the player, I, you know what? Let me let me find this. This was a this was a memory today. Uh, exactly seven years ago today, uh, the player. Let me find his name here. Jack Taylor for Grinnell College scored one hundred and thirty eight points in a game seven years ago today. So. You made one three while that kid put up 138 points. So, woohoo. Meanwhile, in other news, James Harden attempted 10 in his last game and made five of them, and no one cared. And everybody said he was like, (laughs) that was weak. You know, he only made five of 10. What a loser. Meanwhile, (laughs) Ben is is getting crowned the king of the threes because he made one. Yeah. Apparently, Ben has turned into Larry Bird. Uh, with his jacket on at the three-point contest. Oh, man. yeah, That's next, Dale. He should be considered uh, for uh, the three-point contest. I, I sincerely hope he enters the three-point contest. I really oh. do. It would be entertaining. 
there'd be enough bricks to build a new school down here in Logan. It'd be that's amazing okay. to watch. Especially if it was held somewhere where they didn't like the 76ers, which I guess would pretty much be everywhere except <laughs> Boston. <laughs> if, if they have a losing record, all they have to do is hold it in Philly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that would be a <laughs> snowballs for Santa, bricks so for You can hold it at Tom Robinson's house. That'd there, be plenty there's enough. A, there's a built-in fundraiser, bricks for Ben. Every time ben, Simmons, every time ben Simmons launches a three and misses, we donate 20 bucks to build shelters for the homeless. <laughs> That'd be a great charity. I think people would get oh, behind that for sure. I'll tell, tell you who else. Later. I'll tell you who else would get behind it. That is the great people at Stephen P. New Law Office, and I cannot recommend New Law Office more now than ever. Uh, fantastic I, uh, people that do great work. They will get you out of jams if you're in one. Uh, legal advice, free consultations. They'll tell you what you need to know. And Stephen P. New is not only a great lawyer, he's a great person. And that's I've heard. I heard a rumor that uh, Stephen P. New uh, makes uh, his coaching debut tonight in the Boggs oh. Report. The Boggs Report is going to be something else. I mean, you know what? Let's go ahead. The, the Stephen P. New, the Boggs Report is coming up shortly. So let's go ahead and hear from our good friends at New Law Office. Go hit them up if you need any help in any legal situation. Personal injury, product liability, workplace accidents, mesothelioma law, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, and more. All this can be handled at New Law Office with Stephen P. New. It's New Law Office with Stephen P. New. You can get your free consultation today by calling 1-800-208-9169 or 304-362-7345 for your free consultation. A new level of personal service, whether you've been injured or facing divorce or experiencing workplace discrimination, you can rely on compassionate, thorough representation from New Law Office. Be sure to contact Stephen P. New Law Office at newlawoffice.com or again, get your free consultation at 1-800-203-9169. Stephen P. New, answers to your legal questions. Again, contact the law offices of Stephen P. New, newlawoffice.com. Fantastic people doing fantastic things. and They're on the side of the little guy. Check them out. Always great Stephen P. New Law Office. Now, we're about to go. Uh, Cecil has sent in the Bogus report for this week. In Golden State. Uh, Golden State Warriors are located in San Francisco. We were going to have a special guest sponsor for the Boggers Report this week. However, uh, Rice pulled out at the last minute, and we have to issue a public apology on behalf of uh, the Wideman Can't Jump crew. What happened was it was a misunderstanding. Um, I will I will tell you what happened Um Someone during Bogus was on Reddit doing a uh, Ask Me Anything on Reddit. And while he was on there, someone asked him two questions and one. And they said, what's your favorite music and favorite food? Well, Bogus, his favorite food, rice and his favorite music is funk. Well, an unfortunate autocorrect has now led to us having to issue an apology to the rice company. <laughs> You can uh, use your imagination so, uh, from there. No truth to the rumor that it was because Ed was caught eating Uncle Ben's? 
No, no, no truth to that rumor. Uh, just an unfortunate autocorrect accident on Reddit. Uh, he was letting people know that he is the king of funk, and uh, an autocorrect accident turned funk riceroni into uh, something else. So we apologize. It's still the San Francisco treat. All right, let's get success on this week's Boggers report. What do you think, Tim? Roll the tape, Nate. We take you now to a Wide Men Can't Jump special sports bulletin. I'm special, special, I'm special, I'm Cecil, I'm so excited, I'm tongue-tied, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Cecil B. Buck Snort, and welcome to San Francisco, California, for this week's edition of the Ed Boggess Celebrity Basketball Tour. There's been a few changes at the top of the NBA hierarchy. We decided to go with the uh, no-concession stand this week, just going to go with the basketball. Um... Uh, strange dealings here in California, though. Of course, it wouldn't be California without a protest. Uh, of course, uh, Mia Farrow would not participate in the games. Uh, something about not liking Chinese. Uh, I don't know what that's about. Um, and, of course, uh, she's also uh, lodging a protest against uh, immigrant labor. Uh, something to do with the Kamart, the Tarjay, the CRs, and the Walmart. Uh, I don't know what the stuff are, but uh, meals are crazy. And uh, of course, it's uh, being a celebrity game. Um, so a lot of celebrities in attendance not participating in the game. Uh, quite a few uh, strange parents, I might I might add. Uh, I saw uh, I saw Rose McGowan talking to Larry Flint. That's crazy. Oh, no. Um, uh, Goldberg and The Rock uh, were seen uh, courtside. I think The Rock was trying to explain to Goldberg the real meaning of the word over. <laughs> uh, some other strange parents. Uh, well, strange at first glance, anyway. Uh, Daryl Strawberry was uh, sitting with uh, Marie McCormick. Of course, that's Marsha Brady. Uh, they were probably talking about cocaine. Who are we kidding? Um, uh, and the weird one, I really, what weirded me out was I saw Gary Paxton and uh, O.J. Simpson. Uh, one can only assume they were talking about shoes. Uh, and then uh, I, I caught what I thought was a, a very clever um, a bit of fan signage when I, I thought I saw the number 101, which would, uh, of course, re- refer to the average amount of points scored by the wide men during the ba- celebrity basketball tour. But it uh, turned out that was just uh, Rosie O'Donnell uh, sitting in between the Olsen twins. Not really. Oh. Uh, anyway, let's have a look at the uh, celebrity lineup. Uh, of course, uh, we've got uh, Herb Alpert. Uh, famous uh, musician uh, Billy Joe Armstrong uh, lead singer of Green Day uh, producer Michael Bay uh, singer Rebecca Black uh, baseball player uh, use that term loosely Barry Bonds singer Cher uh, actress uh, Katie Cueto uh, actress uh, Natalie Wood and of course it wouldn't be California without a little bit of Don Duck and Goofy um, Good. of course that's uh, well, could be a lot of celebrities. Anyway, uh, we're going to take you now to a uh, special ring announcer, uh, Leslie Nielsen, for the uh, introductions of the team uh, white men. So uh, stay tuned, and we'll be right with you in a second. I'm Leslie Nielsen, 
and welcome to tonight's celebrity basketball game between the Golden State Warriors celebrity team and Team White Man. So let's get right to it. First up, he is the coach of Team White Man this week. He is a graduate of the University of West Virginia College of Law. He's a former member of the United States Army. He's the lawyer who is a destroyer of unlawful employers. He's a defender who won't surrender until the offender feels like a pretender. He is Stephen P. News. He is number 36. He hails from Gilbert, West Virginia. His weight is considerable. He's taller than the rest of us. He's a graduate of Logan High School and the School of Hard Knocks. He's the man who makes the ladies quiver because he's the guy who does deliver. He's Nick the Hauser. He is number 42 and a quarter. He hails from Oxnard, California. He weighs in at 197 pounds and stands six feet tall. He is a graduate of Oxnard High School. And if you can say it, he can make it. He's the baker that balls the best of three falls. The free throw machine. Armando, the real deal with sex appeal. My God. <laughs> He's number 45 and a 30 seconds. He stands in at 6 foot 1 and weighs on a sounding 285 pounds. He hails from the city of Philadelphia. He is a member of the Delco Underground Metro Bus Association of Sports Science, better known as Dummy. He's heavy, not lean. He's a mean machine. He will take your cash and kick you in the ass. The H is for you. Thomas H. Robinson III. He's number 51 and 316. He weighs 133 kilos and stands at 1.7 meters tall. <laughs> he is a graduate of the Beaver Lodge High School and a member of the Royal Order of the Canadian Moose. He wears a tooth. He loves maple syrup. He is Tim. I'm not PC and I'm never gonna be D. <laughs> <laughs> He's number 62 and a half. He stands to six foot four and weighs, well, hold on. Rest of it. What the hell is he doing? God damn, that much? I can't say that. <laughs> well, he weighs a considerable amount. He hails from Logan, West Virginia, by way of the Don Blankenship School of Pharmacology. He's the one, he's the only. They don't dribble on an empty stomach! 
and of course, he's the captain. He's number 33 and a third. According to the local sheets, he stands in at six foot one and weighs the same as 800 quarter pounders. He hails from Princeton, West Virginia. And soon will be appearing on Broadway in a production of Holy Steve. He is the one, the only, the American legend, Ed Pepto Bismarck. Well, that's it for the uh, team introductions. Uh, Leslie Nielsen never disappoints. What an answer. Um, of course, uh, we'll be right back with uh, the game results in just a moment. Ship my pants. Right here? Ship my pants, you're kidding. You can ship your pants right here. You hear that? I can ship my pants for free. Wow. I just may ship my pants. Yeah, ship your pants. Billy, you can ship your pants, too. I can't wait to ship my pants, Dad. I just shipped my pants, and it's very convenient. Very convenient. I just shipped my drawers. I just shipped my nighty. I just shipped my bed. If you can't find what you're looking for in store, mm-hmm. we'll find it at Kmart.com right now and ship it to you for free. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, what a game. What a game. What can I say? Uh, down to the last... A shot, uh, white men can't jump, defeat the uh, Golden State Warriors celebrities, uh, 126 to uh, 112. Not a lot of defense played tonight, ladies and gentlemen. More like an all-star game tonight. Everyone was in a pretty good mood, except for the last two minutes of the game where things got a little out of hand. Uh, I won't say who said what, but uh, some of the things I did here on the court, uh, there was some uh, mocking of uh, Herb Alpert. Comparing him to, uh, of course, the great Kenny G. Um, <laughs> uh, somebody said uh, that uh, Green Day couldn't hold a candle to the Alan Parsons project. Uh, something about the green was with a mold growing on there, unbought merchandise. Oh. Um, <laughs> and a couple of other things. Uh, Barry Bonds, of course, accused of taking the steroids and being a cheater. And something about uh, long live Hank Aaron. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, one thing in particular I did see, uh, Cher got a little too close to uh, Latino Heat, Armando Martinez, and her uh, face <laughs> melted right off. It's great. Um, his favorite of the wide men, of course, was uh, Kayla Coeco. Um, they got that whole big bang thing right. Whew. <laughs> what a ball handler she is. Oh, um, man. <laughs> yeah. Michael Bay. Uh, that's a pretty funny joke. Uh, I, I don't mind saying that. It was told by Ed Boggess. Uh, he said the way Michael Bay blows shit up in his movies, he should probably be uh, head coach for LeBron James. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, and then uh, Nate Bush, being the uh, musical genius that he is, uh, he, he took it to Rebecca Black. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, doing like uh, home-style karaoke with... Friday, Friday, thank God this game wasn't played on Friday. Partying, partying, hey! Partying, partying, woo! Called her an auto-tune nobody. Uh, Rebecca didn't know what auto-tune was. Uh, Millennials, what can you say? Uh, And then surprise uh, for me, uh, I expected a lot more out of Natalie Wood. Uh, She's a bit of a ghost on the court and somewhat of a floater. Never really saw much of her. I was picked by uh, Golden State celebrity team. 
But all in all, uh, again, uh, a, a fun weekend was had by all. No feelings really hurt this week. Uh, things a lot calmer. Um, so, some good on Golden State. Uh, I, I thought, you know, the PC crowd would have been uh, up in a wide mid face, but surprisingly, everyone maintained. It was a good, good show. A lot of family entertainment. Uh, what can I say? Uh, wide men, uh, they are uh, they're celebrities and they know how to deliver the goods. So uh, that's it for uh, the uh, Ed Bogus uh, celebrity basketball game from Golden State. I think uh, next week uh, we're going to be, uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, we'll be in uh, Houston. Home of the beard. Um, oh, that God. Be interesting. We could. Uh, not a lot of love for the beard here at the Wide Men's Group. <laughs> but anyway, that's it for Cecil B. Bucks. Not, uh, I hope everybody had a good day. Remember, people, just because you don't agree with somebody doesn't mean you got to go crazy. Outrage, outrage culture is too much. If I offended anybody during this little ditty, I, I, I could care less. I would not <laughs> apologize to anyone for anything. <laughs> So have a good day, everyone, and we'll see you next time on the Ed Boggs Celebrity NBA Basketball Tour. I am out of here. Wow, is all I can say. Let me get this straight. You're a graduate of the Don Blankenship School of Pharmacology? Apparently. (laughs) My degree is yet to show up. (laughs) And Ed Boggs is appearing in a Broadway show called Holy Sheets? That that's the least. I want to know how we got the the Alan Parsons project to license the song. <laughs> Nobody told you that uh, you weren't getting paid. <laughs> oh, well, that makes sense then. You know that Shackleford, he's a bastard when it comes you to watch that some bitch. I tell you. <laughs> uh, live shout out to Nick Hoff who's listening right now live. Hello, Nick and Danielle. How are you? And uh, you making holders. an appearance with a a diet Dr Pepper in his hand and and. Hating his heart, ladies and gentlemen. Background, Josh Brown. How are you, Josh? Yeah. Yeah, there you go, man. A few words. License is for pussy. There you go. What was that? He said licensing is for pussy. People use our music all the time. Do we ever see a sin of it? No, we don't. (laughs) You're damn right we don't. You know why we don't? Because licensing is for pussy. Well, there you go. Licensing is for pussy. You're not really a member of the Beatles. <laughs> well, we aren't. Eh. We're not a member of the Beatles, so that that that, hurt, that hurts too. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> I'm sorry. You well, now. because you said Beatles. Apparently. Oh. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, that was the background Josh Brown scream of the week, <laughs> brought to you by. Brought to you by no one. Riddle by, by Riddlin. By Riddlin. <laughs> I Riddlin. Number one, fuck you. It's brought to you by the same people that gave you the licensing to the Alan Parsons project. Hey, Alan Parsons project. <laughs> well, well, that. That was, in fact, it's the, uh, doesn't matter because licensing's for pussy. No, there you go. Well, <laughs> on a note like that, I think it's time for a timeout. Let's hear. We already heard from Stephen P. New. We're going to hear from the 
the titty website. Here we go. Are you tired of the same old average everyday lifestyle and the same old job that has you making less money than what you know you're worth? Well, you should head on over to StripCamFun.com. On StripCamFun, there are tons of eligible men and women waiting to perform for you, and you can join in on the fun yourself. Just head on over at StripCamFun.com where you can strip on cam and have some fun. If you get there right now, you'll get to see some of the most beautiful women, men, and whatever else your heart desires. And you can take advantage of the good times being had on StripCamFun.com. Make sure you get there right now and let them know that Wide Men Can't Jump brought you over. Because StripCamFun.com is not just for everyone. Must be 18 years of older to join in on the good times. Strip Cam Fun. Be sure to visit right now. It's StripCamFun.com where you can strip on cam and have some fun. And thanks to our great sponsors at StripCamFun.com. Always the best you can find on the web. And you thought I was gone. I thought you were. <laughs> Little did I know. Well, I'm taking over this podcast. What's next? <laughs> it's a Josh Brown is a bit like herpes or interview, luggage. huh? Is that what we're doing next? I, I don't Another know. interview? I, I don't know what How we're doing next. Do you do? Two. Two? <laughs> yeah. Are they about an hour long? No. Well, yeah, actually. <laughs> well, <laughs> <combined>. <laughs> well, yeah, but. Go to an interview. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. <laughs> the guy from, the, guy like from the, the, the team that Nathan talked to, roll it. Roll that beautiful bean foot. Roll the beautiful bean foot. He sounds like a pissed uh, off Jim Cornette in the background. Yeah, this is we got our own Jim Cornette on this program. Oh goodness. You know. Oh no. Here he comes again. <laughs> Here we go. I'm good. Good night, everybody. Good night, Josh. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in to Wide Men Can't Jump this week. We're hoping you're enjoying yourself. We're having a good time here. We love we love basketball. We've talked a little bit of basketball, but Tim, I was able to sit down and talk with Gerald Bourget. I know that's a tough name. It's it's a little French for what we're used to here on this program, but um, he's a is Suns Bourget, insider. Is it Bourget or is it Bourget? I think it's Bourget. That's how I believe yeah. he told me. Okay. I, I didn't want to pronounce it wrong, but um, he's a Phoenix Suns insider. Uh, we'll he he knows a lot about the Gerald. What? Say again. I'm sorry. I said we'll just call him Gerald. Yes, Gerald from Fansided and the Step Back. He, he's got all the inside knowledge of the Phoenix Suns, and the Suns have been doing pretty well this season so far, surprising a lot of people uh, with their great play early on. And Gerald and I talked on Sunday night was when he was free, so I was able to talk to him. So we'll go ahead and go to my conversation with Gerald Bourget, and then we'll come back. And Tim and I are going to go around the league, and we're going to talk about load management, and some other things like that here on this edition of Wide Men Can't Jump. What do you think, Tim? Let's roll to Gerald. Thank you, Josh. (laughs) Back on the show is Gerald Bourget from Fansided NBA and The Step Back. He's a Phoenix Suns reporter. Gerald, thanks again for jumping back on the show with us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, it's always good to hear from you. And uh, right now, the, uh, a lot of people are going to be surprised to hear me say this, but uh, 
it's a good season to be a Phoenix Suns fan. Uh, and I don't think a lot of people saw it coming. Uh, the Phoenix Suns are putting it together here early on. Now, granted, again, they've played, you know, a handful of games. They're seven and four right now, as we set after 11 games for the Suns, fifth in the Western Conference. If you'd have told me they'd have been ahead of the Los Angeles Clippers, I'd have called you crazy. But yet, here they are, the Phoenix Suns, and doing it without DeAndre Ayton even. Uh, we'll get to him in a minute, but how are the Suns able to do this? They've really put together a nice string of wins here, and they've beat some pretty good teams as well. Yeah, I mean, it's a combination of things. You've You've got to start with the head coaching change just because of all the new faces and the fact that they're good, not only offensively, but defensively getting some players that have not been known for their defense in the past to buy in on that end is a credit to Monty Williams. And he has really updated his um, offensive sets since his last time as a head coach in the league. Obviously the league has changed since then. Um, He's been able to adapt really well. Um, The other thing is just giving Devin Devin Booker a point guard has made a huge difference. Um, you know, a lot of people question whether he could actually win in this league, whether he was actually an impactful player. Um, we're getting a pretty good look at how impactful he can be when he has teammates that are capable of setting him up. Um, he's posting 50-50-90 shooting splits right now. So even though his overall numbers are a little bit down compared to last year, he's never been more efficient and more locked in defensively. And then uh, you've got to mention Aaron Baines, who has filled in wonderfully for DeAndre Ayton at that center spot. Um, He brings a lot to the table that Ayton doesn't as far as his three-point shooting ability. Ayton has just exploded from three this year, shooting nearly 47% from deep on about four attempts per game. Um, And a lot of teams aren't accounting for it. They're not aware that he's a shooter yet. So he has all day to fire. And when they do come out on him, it gives a ton of space for cutters like Booker and Kelly Oubre. Um, so just having NBA capable players around Devin Booker has made a real difference and they've been put in positions to succeed. Yeah, they have. And Devin Booker, obviously averaging 25 a game doesn't hurt either. Uh, he's doing very well here so far this season, but you mentioned having a point guard around him, Ricky Rubio, um, not known for his shooting abilities in the past, but has really had a good season so far. 13.6 points per game, and Rubio, believe it or not, actually rebounds very well, 6.3 rebounds per game, and he's averaging almost nine assists per game, and here's the stat that a lot of people overlook. He's averaging a steal and a half a game. He's got very Mm -hmm. quick hands, can really cause uh, some fits, forcing turnovers, and he's such a good passer. Playing beside Rubio, what's what's that doing for Booker's confidence? Is it just improving and is Rubio making everyone better really is the real question. Yeah. I mean, he really is. You mentioned almost nine assists per game. Um, Having a competent floor general, even if his passes don't directly lead to assists, he's been behind a lot of, um, you know, hockey assists, secondary assists, and just having an intelligent floor leader really makes a difference. Like Devin Booker um, really improved his playmaking last year, but he's not a true point guard. He's not, going to become James Harden, this, you know, passing wizard. He's a very good secondary playmaker, but he's best utilized as a scorer and being able to conserve energy, not having to dribble it up the court every time, not having to make every play. um, It helps conserve energy for the defensive end for him. So Rubio um, really, he helps set the tone defensively, him and Baines. um, He's at the point of the attack there on defense. 
And uh, he, like you mentioned, he has shot the ball very well from three-point range, um, 37.5% on three attempts per game. Teams are giving him that open look because he, you know, he's not known for being a shooter. He's known for being a pretty poor shooter. Um, but he is taking the open ones that he has to take to make defenses respect him, and he's been making them so far. So um, all around Rubio has been the real deal, and it's um, kind of funny now to look back on the summer and see how many people criticized that contract that the Suns gave him. Yeah, and me being one of them because I'm a Minnesota fan, and I remember the Rubio years. And uh, But he's not playing like <laughs> that. So um, Frank Kaminsky, another guy that maybe – caught the Suns caught some flack for signing but past two games he's been doing well 19 points against Atlanta almost had a double double against the Lakers 16 and 9 with three assists uh Frank the Tank he's averaging better stats this year than probably any time in his career what's uh what's got Frank Kaminsky coming off the bench and playing so well for this team yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to Monty's system, but he had mentioned as early as uh, media day that he was looking forward to showing people that he can play make off the dribble, that he can do a lot more than he was able to show in Charlotte. And um, early on, like in preseason and the first couple games of the season, he looked fantastic. Um, he was coming, he was one of the first subs off the bench, coming in, providing scoring, um, some rebounding, and uh, he could play either that four or that five spot. Uh, which is useful for when DeAndre Ayton comes back. The problem with him is for about two weeks, he went through a really bad cold streak. Um, I think he missed like 10 or 15 straight threes in a row. Um, so that's why his three-point percentage is, is so low at 25% right now. But um, he snapped out of it the last few games, like you've mentioned, which is good because it looked like a lot of it was mental with him, just not being able to see a shot fall. Um, and when he finally saw one fall, he was able to kind of snap out of it. So, Hopefully the bench will be able to rely on him moving forward. Um, the last few weeks have been a little bit rough, but he started off on a great note. He's looked great the last few games. Um, I think he's going to be able to do a lot more off the bench than certainly I was going to give him credit for coming into the season. You mentioned Kelly Oubre, and he's a guy that I've sung the praises for for the past few years. I really like his game, like what he can do. He's up now to almost 17 points per game. Just having really good games. Had a 30-point game against Atlanta the other night, 18 against Brooklyn. So, Oubre's really kind of found his rhythm in Phoenix. Uh, no longer a backup. Getting that starting role, shooting well from the floor. He's averaging almost 50% from the floor shooting-wise. Is Oubre really looking like the point guard of the future here? I mean, he's only 23 years old. Um, I mean, he's he's a very good wing. Like, he is. Um, he, he's that athletic slashing wing that the Suns need to really balance this system. They've got a lot of shooters, they've got penetrators, um, but they need someone, when, especially with DeAndre Ayton not there, um, they need someone cutting to the basket to take advantage of those drives for easy buckets. They need someone um, who's going to make the defense work. And he's done a great job with that. He had a really bad like one-point game against the Lakers, and then immediately bounce back, like you said, against the Hawks with a 30-point game. Um, he's that guy that can just catch it on the wing and make things happen attacking the basket, which Devin Booker is good at that, but he's got so many other elements to his game that come first. So with Kelly kind of having that tunnel vision actually helps as far as him putting his head down, getting to the basket, um, you know, just cutting off of plays when other teams are worried about shooters or pick-and-roll action. 
Like it really does make a difference. And he's gotten very good at timing his cuts um, and building that chemistry with a guy like Rubio who likes to drive a lot. One thing that I I did notice um, with the Suns is they're not afraid to, to play young guys. Javon Carter has been getting some time, especially uh, a few, few games back. He was getting quite a bit of playing time. Uh, they're not scared to play these guys. You know, Cameron Johnson's getting to play, and you're seeing a, a lot of a lot of young talent kind of emerging here. Um, is that just part of the system that they want to see these young guys get some time out on the court and everything like that? I think it's more to the effect of the fact that these guys, these younger guys that they're playing, are ready or surprisingly ready for that. Um, you know, it hasn't been a focus to play young guys. If anything, the focus has been to only play guys that are ready to contribute. And um, that's why Javon Carter got off to such a great start this season. He was playing the best basketball of his early career, um, shooting lights out from three, just hounding guys up and down the court like he did at West Virginia. Um, he was a real bulldog, and, and Monty Williams loved that about him. His shot selection wasn't great, though, and his um, decision-making – as far as setting up the offense wasn't either. So that's why his minutes have kind of been cut back recently. Um, when Ty Jerome comes back, he will probably assume that backup point guard role. Um, but for now, um, you know, Tyler Johnson has kind of taken that over. Um, but, you know, Ty Jerome was billed as an NBA-ready rookie, and Cam Johnson has surprisingly looked like one as well. Um, he's been able to show that he can do a little bit more than just shoot the ball um, and he's shooting at nearly a 42% clip on four attempts per game. So, um, you know, one of the best shooters coming into the draft is definitely living up to his billing now that he's kind of found his rhythm. Uh, Ty Jerome is just a very smart, intelligent backup who looked pretty good in preseason. And uh, Javon Carter was just playing great. So, honestly, it's more of a unique situation where all three of these guys, these younger guys who – either have been getting minutes or figure to get minutes have just been, you know, they look like the part of NBA players already. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and talk about the elephant in the room. Um, DeAndre Ayton, we, we sure. got to bring it up. Suspended yep. for 25 games for violations, uh, some sort of apparently supplement or, or something. What can you tell us about that? Cause that was kind of kept a little bit hush hush. What can you tell us about what happened with Ayton? Right, so he was suspended 25 games for a diuretic, which is used, it's usually used as a masking agent to mask something else, like it makes you urinate more often um, to get stuff out of your system. Um, he was going with the defense that he ingested it, it unknowingly, which is why they were going to appeal it. I'm assuming they appealed it, but there really hasn't been a lot of information that's come out about it, and at this point, it's safe to assume that he's going to serve either the full 25 games or pretty close to it because we probably would have heard something by now on the appeal process if they were going to have a successful appeal. Um, also, the Sun's statement after the fact, after it was announced that he had been suspended 25 games by the league, was not exactly kind of backing up their guy. It was more expressing disappointment and saying that he'll do better moving forward rather than saying we're going to fight this or whatever it might be. So. Um, for jury's out as far as what you believe that diuretic was for, whether it was unintentional, but it does look like he's going to serve the full 25 games. And uh, the only reason we're not talking about this more is the fact that Aaron Baines has been so terrific and the Suns are off to this great start. 
Um, you're definitely starting to see more and more with other teams' ability to score in the paint just because they're taller and more athletic. That is definitely catching up to the Suns because their two interior defenders now are Aaron Baines and Frank Kaminsky. Baines is a very good positional defender, but a lot of times he is just he's not tall enough. He's not big enough down there. And Frank Kaminsky, same thing with him. He's very tall, but probably not strong enough to be, you know, a starting or backup center. If your goal is to be a good interior defensive team. So having a guy like Aiton will definitely help. Um, but for now, thankfully the suspension hasn't been a huge topic of discussion because the Suns are faring so well. Yeah, it's interesting. I would actually like to find out what kind of diuretic he was taking. Um, because it depends. Again, it always comes back to the was it prescribed. Sometimes diuretics are put, put in with some blood pressure medications. So he may right. have took it without knowing. Uh, I mean, it really it, it depends on what the diuretic was. Uh, and was it prescribed or was it just a supplement per se? Um, so, again, it all comes down to that. I'm sure if it was a prescribed medication that he wouldn't have gotten suspended. But, um, right. you know, that's just one of those things that kind of happens here. Uh, Sun's offensive output can't be denied, though. They are fourth in the league right now in points per game, averaging 117.6 points per game, and not bad in field goal percentage either. The t- as a team, they are second in the league at 47.5% shooting. So that's some pretty solid numbers from this team. And we haven't talked about Dario Saric, and I do love me some Dario Saric. Um what can you tell us about Dario Saric's contributions to this Phoenix Suns team? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have been, like, disappointed with him, but I really don't get it. You know, I guess they're just looking at the scoring column and seeing that he's only averaging, like, 11 points per game. But you look at his shooting splits, he's very efficient, 46, 40, 80. Um, you know, he's a plus seven when he's on the floor. He's rebounding the ball. His help side defense has been tremendous. Like, there are some nights when he's a little bit, um, undersized at that four spot, but now that he's kind of gotten his groove from three-point range and become a little bit more confident, a lot of the passes that he makes are very intelligent. Like, he's just a very good all-around basketball player, and he's the kind of guy that will go under the radar, but he's kind of the epitome of what the Suns have needed all along, just NBA-caliber players who know what they're doing, um, just guys that can move the ball, can score when they're open, um, and can defend well enough. You know, like, that is something that Phoenix has been lacking for years now. It's the reason why Devin Booker's teams have never won 30 games. And having a guy like Saric, I, I feel like he is the poster child for, you know, what you can do when you add real NBA players to a couple of upcoming stars like Devin Booker and hopefully DeAndre Ayton once he's back. Yeah, I know. As a Minnesota fan, he's sur- surely, surely missed in Minnesota. Um, I really like the way he spaces the floor too. He can space out a floor and he knows exactly where he needs to be. And then one thing people don't look at is his ability to backdoor cut and his ability to Mm -hmm. get to the rim and maybe make that extra pass when he's dribbling or be there when you have a guard cutting and they need to find an open man if they've drawn a defender. The things that Sarge does, it's those things that don't show up in the stat book, but it's one of those things where you know he's making this team better. He makes every other guy on the court better just by the way he plays. So people that just look at box scores and stats, you're not going to appreciate Dario Saric. you got to sit down and watch him play the game. That's just something that comes from watching a lot of NBA players. 
Right. He's he's not a flashy guy to watch at all, but he is if you know the nuances and the intricacies of the game, you will pick up on things that he does very well um that just, you know, go under the radar like he said. Yeah, one thing Phoenix is actually very good at doing here. Maybe not something to brag about. Uh they're second in the league in personal fouls per game. Believe it or not, they're averaging about uh 25 per game, believe it or not, this season. Um and that that's the sign of of a young team, I think, in a way. How do they cut back on that? I mean, fouls is one thing that uh teams try to cut back on as much as they can, but you're averaging 25 fouls per game. That's quite a bit. Only a second behind the Sixers who are averaging 25.2 fouls per game. Right. There's been a lot of talk about that in the locker room and uh, from Coach Monty Williams as far as they're actually okay with it right now. They're not okay with it, but they view this as kind of a hurdle that they need to get over as far as establishing themselves in the eyes of the league as a physical defense, you know, the whole earning the officials respect kind of thing. Um, as you mentioned, they are a young team. A lot of their fouls, they're not like dumb fouls that you would normally see at a young team. They're, they're just physical and they don't get the benefit of the whistle a lot. I'm not the guy that's going to sit here and tell you like, Oh yeah, they're the games they lost were probably due to whistles, but there are a lot of calls that have gone against the Suns that have been kind of like, questionable as far as like okay you're giving the other team the benefit of the doubt because those guys have been around the block before you know they know how to draw fouls that kind of thing I think it's going to be a learning process I think it's something that will come down as the year goes on and and it starts to sink in like oh okay the Suns are a legitimate team they have legitimate players who know how to defend without fouling they're just a physical defense once that kind of thing sets in I really do think the foul count will go down, maybe not as far down as the Suns are hoping for, but I think it'll go down a little bit once they've kind of established themselves as a legitimate team with a physical defense. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, ah, oh, it's kind of luck early on in the season. Look, they gave the 76ers their first loss on the year. The Suns, I think, are legit. And I'm saying that because you and I talked before the season started, Gerald, and we both said, you know, people are sleeping on this Suns team. A lot of people are saying they're going to be the worst team in the West. I said with all that talent, if they're able to put it together, and you agreed, and you know, you're you championing it as well, this is a team that's going to be legit, in my opinion. Um, they're going to mm-hmm. compete for a playoff spot. Now, whether they get in or not remains to be seen. Uh, there's a lot of teams that are going to compete for playoff spots, so we'll have to wait and see. But do you think they're going to, you know, especially when they get eight and back healthy, or well, not really healthy, but back from his suspension and – they get everybody together. Do you think this is a playoff team right now with the way they're playing? I really do. And I never would have said that coming into the season. I thought they would be a team to take seriously. I thought they would be a much improved team, but because of the state of the West, I didn't see them anywhere near a playoff spot. Um, Now I am, I have changed course and of course it's only been 11 games, but man, based on what you've seen from this team and the gauntlet of, of an early schedule that they've faced, you know, they've, taking on the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Jazz, the Lakers, like just all of these really good Western teams already. And they've got a 7-4 and four record with the fourth best net rating in the NBA. Like that is very impressive. Um, and you look at some of the slow starts the other teams have had, like the Portland Trailblazers, um, Oklahoma City Thunder, those, could, those types of things could matter a couple of months from now. So 
Um, I do think they will compete for a playoff spot at the very least. Whether they get in, we'll see. It's a long season. But right now, if I had to guess, I would say this definitely looks like a playoff team. The, the key will be what Aiton looks like when he comes back. Because in that first game, he blocked four shots, and he just had the defensive awareness that Suns fans know is, you know, vital to his success as a potential rim protector in this league. Uh, the problem is that game was against the Kings. So we need to see if that changes or if that stays the same once he comes back, especially after watching Aaron Baines thrive in his absence. Yeah, and you mentioned some of the slow starts. Uh, the Spurs also surprising slow start. They've lost five in a row at the San Antonio right. Spurs, and that's uncall- like just shocking that they've lost that many games in a row. <laughs> Of course, Steph Curry's injury and the Warriors, uh, the Pelicans got off to not having Zion, so they're not going to be what we thought they would be. Minnesota and and Phoenix and Dallas right now are looking like surprise teams that could sneak into the playoffs. So we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. But, um, yeah, the Suns team I think is legit, and they're for real. So if you're out there, I would definitely keep an eye on them. You never know. Um, what can happen in the NBA, and this is a team that's proving that, and this is why you got to start watching from the early early beginnings of the season and go all the way to the end because you, you want to see these teams develop and grow, and this is a team that's definitely doing that. Absolutely. It's been fun to watch so far, but like you said, very long season ahead. There will be ups and downs. Um, the good thing is Monty Williams is aware of that, and he's emphasized over and over and over again to both his team and the media that their goal is to improve month to month. It's not to settle on what they've accomplished so far. Um, So hopefully that month to month improvement continues because if that's the case, we could see something very special by the end of the season. Absolutely. Well, Gerald, thanks again for jumping on in talking Phoenix Suns with me and giving me the, the lowdown of what's going on out there in the desert. Let our listeners know where they can keep up with you, follow you, read your work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you can follow me on Twitter at D-E-R-A-L-D-B-O-U-R-G-U-E-T. Um, and you can check out my work on fansided.com slash MBA. Um, we've got a lot of good content from a very talented group of writers. And um, I'm providing Suns coverage as well as coverage on other teams when they come to visit, um, just kind of depending on the matchup and who's in town. But uh, definitely Suns coverage and additional MBA coverage all on there. All right. Well, thanks again, Gerald, and we hope to have you back later as the season goes on, talk a little more Phoenix Suns and get some more uh, lowdown on what's going on. So thanks again for jumping on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Thank you. And that was Gerald Borgay from the Phoenix Suns. Like my dramatic pause there had nothing to do with the fact that I thought I was going to sneeze. That's what that was. eh? Yes. (laughs) But Gerald, thanks again for Gerald from Fansider for jumping on talking Phoenix Suns with us. We appreciate him. And uh, speaking of appreciation, the good people at Stay Classy Meats have hooked my freezer up. Tim, you saw a picture of my freezer the other day, didn't you? I hate you. (laughs) We actually made some Stay Classy Meeks steak the other night. Um, my mom made them. Yes, I let my mother near the grill. I know, I know, scary, but no, she did a great job. 
Uh, they were fantastic. They came out perfect, tender. Not a lot of all the, all the fat was right on the edge of the strips, right? And it was just just cut away so easily. Nice steak, good good cook with it there. Nice all the way through. I'm a medium rare guy. It was a little closer to medium for my liking, but it was still delicious. And Stay Classy Meats, man, never had a bad product from there. My family, by the way, is crazy about the honey bacon. I don't care if you haven't tried this. My brother-in-law is one of the most picky eaters you'll ever meet. He's very simple. He doesn't like a lot of, like, if you put more than salt and pepper on something, you're doing it wrong. That's how he is. And that's true. He's very, he doesn't like a lot of spice, a lot of anything on his food. Um, he tried the honey bacon from Steak Classy Meats. He's hooked. He loves it. He wants more. Uh, so he's going to be ordering some soon. So uh, Steak Classy Meats, man, check them out. That honey bacon's fantastic. I highly recommend it. It's got my family going crazy. It's really good, really. Um, and everything just fries up simple or grills up real easy. It's really good quality product. Uh, check them out, and let's hear a little more from them. Stay Classy Meats is your online meat market where you can get the best quality meat for competitive prices. Head on over to stayclassymeats.com and use the promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order. That's right, if you head to stayclassymeats.com, you can save 10% on your order with promo code WIDEMEN, but that's not all. Not only will Stay Classy Meats give you 10% off, they're also throwing in a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. Make sure you get over to stayclassymeats.com right now to check out their selection. Whether it be pork, ribs, chicken, steak, bison, ribeye, or any other type of meat that you desire, you can get it at stayclassymeats.com. They are high-quality meat that you will not want to miss out on. If you like to eat well and eat clean and eat some of the best quality products out there, Stay Classy Meats is for you. Again, head to stayclassymeats.com right now. Go check them out, stayclassymeats.com. You want to get there, and you want to get there quick. Great prices, great quality products. It's something you really need to really check out, stayclassymeats.com. Well, Tim, we promised the people we talk a little NBA tonight, and that's what we're going to do an hour into the show. Uh, but you and I talking, of course. We had Gerald on. He was great and had a little fun to begin the show. Um, let's look at some news and notes around the league right now um, before we jump, because I, I want to talk about a couple of things that happened in the college world as well. I think there's some things we really need to talk about there. But um, let's check it out here. Uh, Ryan Anderson got waived. In case anybody didn't uh, miss out on that, Ryan Anderson gone now from the Houston Rockets. He is no longer on that squad. So he's available now for uh, teams to clear through waivers. So Ryan Anderson's a nice forward. We'll see uh, if anybody goes and picks him up. He's a nice piece. Um, Portland today waived Paul Gasol. Uh, he's been unable to successfully rehab the left foot following surgery. And the Blazers had uh, protections in their one-year deal, what they signed with him. Um, but, yeah, he's going to be gone from the Blazers team. They're working on de- details of a coaching role, though, for Pau Gasol in Portland. So his NBA career may be over. But uh, Portland wants to keep him around to coach some. But speaking of Portland, Tim, Portland was back in action last night. No Damian Lillard, but there was a guy on the court that we both recognized. Carmelo Anthony back out on the court 
For the Portland Trailblazers, they fall short of the New Orleans Pelicans, 115 to 104. But uh, Mello came out 10 points, four rebounds in his first game, had a block. But, man, Mello's plus minus. Looked as mellow as ever. Minus 20 in the plus minus. Two of three from three. Uh, four or 14 from the court, uh, but really nobody was really on fire last yeah. night for yeah. the Blazers. CJ McCollum, um, he had, he led the, the Blazers with 22 points, but what do you think? Mello back, uh, back in the league yeah. now. Mello apparently was not working out because, uh, 24 minutes and, uh, by all reports, he was gassed. Um, and you'd think. He'd get into some shape. Mind you, Carmelo doesn't really know too much about the uh, defense. Um, no, and he never did. And, and I don't think Portland – I don't think Portland really that, went out and got him for for that. No, I think Portland but, went out and said – Portland said, let's take a chance. We need a three. We need somebody at that three position to kind of fill in that role. And that's what they did with Melo. Why not? I mean, y'all still slow start. You're not, you know, the team's not playing well right now. Why not take a flyer? It's really a, you know, low, no risk, high reward kind of thing. I don't blame they, them. No, and they they just got to use him. They got to spot use him. I mean, he gave he turned the ball over a pile of times last night too. Yeah. Um, so that doesn't help. But I mean, he, he as a role player, he he could serve a purpose for a lot as of long teams, as, probably. As long as you're not paying the guy what he was getting paid before. I well, think having not, him on so, Yeah, and they're not. So, and if if yeah. it doesn't work out, they'll just they'll cut him loose and end the story. So. Yeah, uh, I think it's worth the chance. I really do. I, and I'm glad to see him back out in the uh, back out in the league. It's good to see Melo. Melo's a great. He's a great player. Probably going to be a Hall of Famer one of these days. Um, mm, maybe. 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 I mean, maybe, if, yeah. maybe. Maybe eventually. Maybe. Uh, to yeah. get back to that Houston Rockets story for a brief moment, um, what did he did he demand like that he get to touch the ball once or twice during the game or what was what what was the reason for cutting him loose? I just it wasn't working out. I mean the lack of defense oh. and just seemed like it just wasn't working. I, I don't know why exactly. Uh, that I mean, just how, seemed to be. Much- how much was he really playing? Um, or was he even, for that matter? I'm wondering. I mean, not much in Houston, honestly, and not much. You know, Atlanta got him and brought him over, uh, but they just wanted the contract to create space. They just took on the bad deal. Melo's just not – like the past few seasons for Melo, he didn't do well in Oklahoma City. He really hasn't done well since he left. Uh, New York. That's really been the last place he kind of okay, thrives well, not, in New York. I'm not talking about Mello. I'm talking about uh, Anderson. Oh, Ryan Anderson. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Why did Mello get... played for Houston? That threw me off. Oh, okay. Sorry. Why um, did he like? Did he, did he demand that he get to touch the ball or? <laughs> Perhaps I don't know, but like um, that's the guy. I'm, I mean, if he, I mean, you said he, he'd probably be a pretty good good pickup. Why didn't they? No, keep he's him? not. He's not bad. I think the issue with Anderson was his lack of defense. Honestly, he's not a great defender. Mm-hmm. He was a great shooter, but he shot a lot <laughs> from the outside. He's a seven footer who well, not a good already, shot uh, as Harden or Westbrook. And they already got one of them in 
in Houston who doesn't play very good defense. They don't need another one. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, just didn't fit after a certain time. So Anderson no, and he was a, his his contract was very expensive. So I understand why they kind of yeah, okay. parted All ways right, with then, him. Okay, that makes a little more sense. All right, I'm on board now. Yeah, definitely was. Um, let's go ahead and look at some more news here. Let's jump down to college, shall we? Um, I don't know if we got a chance to talk about it. University of Kentucky fell to Evansville. Uh, did we get? To, did we talk about that last week? I think we did. Um, I think we might have, but it still bears. Uh, it, it's still <laughs> worth talking about again because it was wonderful. Yeah, University of Kentucky falls to Evansville last week. Then they have a scare this week with like Utah Valley something. Uh, gave them a little bit of a scare this week. Do you think the Kentucky Wildcats are? One's one starting to wonder if there's not a little bit more going on there. I, I kind of thought at first that ah, they just looked past a, you know, a team they should beat, but I'm starting to wonder. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I mean, I um, couldn't. Well, norm, normally it doesn't, you know. The. They didn't look, you know, okay. The Evans, I'll give them, all right, they got caught maybe off guard looking past Evansville, fine. Now, after that game, you go into playing at Utah Valley, okay, yeah, perennial powerhouse, uh-huh. Yeah, um, yeah, and, they're the hottest thing you, on this street corner. And you, and you give up 47 points in the second quarter and hang on to win. If it wasn't, like, that. that's not a good sign, and I mean, I think you're going to probably see Kentucky drop from, what, one to nine. I think you're going to see them drop again because that win is not – you know, Michigan State plays Charleston Southern. And no offense to Charleston Southern, but 94-46, that's what top-ranked teams do. Yeah, against absolutely. Against school, you know, against schools that they have really – they're, again, like we talk about in football all the time too, that they really have no business – even playing against, but that's how it works. So, you know, Ohio state wins by 35, um, Utah state wins by 32, Auburn wins by 29, you know, all these other programs are winning by 20 and 30 and, or more. And Kentucky's just barely squeaking by. That is not a good look. I don't know if they were maybe overrated. I'm not sure. Um, what I find interesting about looking at their that, that that game against Utah Valley, anyway, um, they don't have any bench. They play seven. No, they really they play, don't. They played seven guys and they got nine points off the bench, so they've got nothing. Like maybe their starters are worth talking about, but maybe those boys are getting tired. Oh, my Could be. They shouldn't be get, they shouldn't be getting tired that early in the season, but still, they got nowhere else to go. If if somebody's not and the other thing I really noticed, which I thought was very strange, they were one for 12 in three-pointers. How many college mm. games do you see where a team only gets one three? You know, geez, good thing they called up Ben Simmons to get that one three-pointer for him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think I've ever – I mean, I'm, it probably happens, but I don't think I've ever seen a college game with a one made three pointer from a team. Hell, Utah Valley was eleven to thirty one from three point range. 
I guess that maybe explains his score to some degree that why they couldn't. Uh, so they can't shoot threes. I mean, the only reason they won that game, they were 31 of 34 from the charity strike or else they lose. So, yeah. yeah so, I mean, a 20 point swing on the free, free, free throw line. That's always so hard to say for us Canadians, <laughs> which is kind of, which is kind of funny because we like free stuff, but anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on in Kentucky. Something. Yeah, I don't know. There are issues for sure in Kentucky. Um, have you seen the news that the NCAA has suspended James Wiseman for a total of 12 games, but he will be able to come back and play on January 12th. So Wiseman will be back with Memphis on January 12th. Also, apparently they put this on, uh, kind of on him. The NCAA says Wiseman must donate $11,500 to a charity of his choice. This dude's in college. He got $11,500 sitting around. I I don't. Uh, I, but I smell, I smell Stephen P. New in a legal challenge. Yeah. That just, I didn't even know you could do that. And I don't, I don't think know. they can. I don't think they can. That, that seems rather, I mean, that would, that would be like you broke some kind of academic rule as a regular student and the college told you, well, we're going to suspend you for two weeks and make you pay a $10,000 fine. You'd be like, I don't think so. Yeah. How do you, I mean, it's, how do you enforce, how do you enforce that? That's what I'm trying to figure out. I'm like, you're going to I mean, force this guy to pay back money that it just doesn't I guess matter. They don't let him pl- They don't let him play. I guess if he doesn't pay, I suppose, but I, I guess I don't what's know. What's crazy it's, about it's, that, Nate, is he went from you're fine to you're ineligible to we don't know, to now a certain length of time you're ineligible. Either what he did was right or wrong, whether you agree with it or not is irrelevant. Either he broke the rule or he didn't. And I, I don't think I've ever, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm not sure if I've ever heard of somebody taking money if he in fact did that, which I'm still not even sure if he did that. But if he did, that the punishment was a, you know, 10 games or whatever it works out to, as opposed to, I mean, usually they just ban the daylights out of you. Um, unless I'm wrong about that. I, that could be, but it, could I be. don't think I've ever heard, I don't think I've ever heard that before. You know, usually I haven't if you either. Take, usually if you take money in the, in the NCAA, that usually is a death sentence. Normally, yeah. Programs, yeah, programs have went down for, for that. So yeah. it, Something don't seem right in that whole scenario either, and I, I don't know what it is. But uh, Well, speaking of don't seem right, let's go ahead and bring him on. Ladies and gentlemen, Lou, making a long-awaited long return. Lou, what's up? Uh, I don't know to take that as a comment or an insult. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> Good to hear from you again, Lou. We've, uh, we've yeah, missed you a couple times. Yeah, I'm trying to find you, but by the time I try to get on to you, uh, I don't get in. I'm sorry, Lou. It's, uh, it's a busy program. But we're glad to hear I from know. you again. Thank you. How's things going All in right. the Garden State? Twelve games suspended. Oh boy. I mean, look, it's not like he stole the money. I mean, also he yelled from his mother. I mean, this this could be should be a game viol- violation or twelve games. I don't think so. I mean, well, you got to remember you. the NCAA is the biggest bunch of bullies probably running. Anywhere True. at any time, and they're money hungry, and all, and that's all they're worried about. So that's how I look yeah. at it. 
They're not an organization that well, I want to deal with. Yeah, they'd probably been okay if they would have got a cut of that money. Then they probably would have. Oh, been yeah. There. If you bribe them, the other way. they'll be your buddies. <laughs> you got to do it right, though. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Of course. Yeah, there's channels for the bribery. I mean, yeah, this isn't is some Mickey Mouse organization we're looking at, Lou. We, we bribe not, correctly no. here, okay? Yeah, we're not, we're not <laughs> barbarians or anything. We, we do this with the like, gentlemen we bribe. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, what are your thoughts on Kentucky, Lou? Oh, you you mean the biggest upset of the century in basketball? Wow. <laughs> I, it's I didn't see that it, coming at all. I mean, unlike Evansville, who we probably think is like a second-rate banana team, almost like Division Two, and they uh, beat Kentucky at the home court and all this. I'm like, is this a typo or does this actually happen? When I first uh, read about it, I'm like, nah, nah, this must be an, this must be an error. I must be dreaming or something. Surprise. But, you know, <laughs> I don't think it's going to hurt them in the long run. I think Kentucky's going to bounce back and forget this loss even happened by the time uh, Coppers play comes around. They're going to be right back up again and forget this whole thing ever happened. So, one of those. Well, it's not like they're in a. Con- it's not like they're in a conference that's really screaming powerhouses here. So. No. You know. No, not at all. Yeah, so we'll have to wait and see what happens with Kentucky. Um, any other NCAA thoughts out of you, Lou? Well, depending on the conference, but you go by. Um, my Seminole Pirates, um, well, who looked to be over, um, overrated in the beginning of the preseason polls, I think are holding their own right now. I mean, okay, yeah, they lost to Michigan State last week, but, hey, it was not, it was not a total blowout. They lost by three points. So they're holding their own right now. Because you know, usually when they play against a top-ranked team at the beginning of the year, they get, they get you know, whooped. But uh, they held their own against Michigan State, and uh, they're doing pretty well right now. So I think I watch out for the Pirates this year. Yeah, I mean, they've got a good shot, I think. What do you think, Tim? We're talking about the good old Hall here, are we? Yes. I am from Jersey, you know. This is true. Um, It's only 20 minutes from my house. I would say, uh, yeah, I think they'll be all right. They got a... Seton Hall is I when I was a younger man, Seton Hall was a team that was usually up there quite a distance. Well, the we yeah. miss we miss what was the Big East. I know that. I know I miss it. God. Yeah, we we talked about that, it on here before. That was some of the best stuff in the world back in the day. Well, I mean, sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean you look at even now though. I mean, you used to, yeah, cuz I mean, Georgetown, St. John's, DePaul, those teams all used to St. be John's pretty good. St. John's had a good game tonight. Yeah, Marquette, Villanova, all those teams used Syracuse. to be. Syracuse. Yeah, there was all there was. That was a perennial powerhouse for basketball at one time, and they kind of fell oh, yeah. by the ways. Kind of fell by the way. Now we got you know um, the, just known as now the Catholic Seven. <laughs> I like that. That's what they call it. And I like that. Um, but Seton, yeah, I did no, not Seton, make that up. Seton Hall will be. Uh, they'll be fine. There's no reason. They, they, there's no reason why they shouldn't win the, that conference. Well, last year their conference record wasn't that great. So, and when I read the uh, the polls, they're like, "How is Seton Hall ranked top in the in the top 15?" Their their conference record was pathetic last year. Their overall record was just you know mediocre. So, well, you know, I was a little skeptic about it. 
let's let's be honest though. Now we're we're trying to put, you're trying to apply logic to college sports rankings. Yeah, uh, really. A lot. You know, and there's there's just no figuring out any of it. Uh, teams lose and don't drop. Teams win and drop three spots, and you have no that's, idea. That's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. I, I that, mean, that's 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 one good thing about the tournament. I'll say that. Um, by right. the end of the season, we know who's the best. You can't argue. We should know. If you get in, <laughs> just win. You, yeah, I mean, I don't think, has it ever really happened where whoever won the title, you went, oh, my God, these guys shouldn't have even been, you know, in the, in the tournament. It, yeah. That never happens. Maybe so Houston. <laughs> yeah, but you still, you've got to beat some awfully good teams to oh, get yeah, there. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's it's not like it's a one-off. I mean, college football has taken it a, a step or two with the playoff and all that, but you can mm-hmm. still, you can you can get into the playoff and you might have a really good record, but nobody really knows whether you're really any good or not. Oh, you mean just like South Florida last year in football? Oh, well, and you, there was quite a few years where Boise State was the West Coast version of. UCF, That's where true, yeah. they would beat the daylights out of everybody and just couldn't get into that top ranking because they're not you know, in Alabama or they're not from conference. Yeah, they're not from that neck of the woods, and they just don't get no love. And but hey, basketball yeah. is no different. Duke. So it's like Duke, a winning angel. They get no respect. Yeah, Duke, North Carolina, <laughs> places like that. I had to do it. I had to do it. That, was, that, that was pretty good. Um, it was. But, <laughs> I liked yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are certain teams in college basketball that get the benefit of the doubt, regardless of whether they're any good or not. And they really have yeah. to stink to get. I mean, I've seen. I mean, I hate Duke, so I'm a little bit biased oh, toward, towards them. But there's several times in the last few years where they lose games and are still ranked number one. And it's just like, okay, yeah. no. As soon as you lose, and there's anybody else who was in the top ten who hasn't lost, you've got to go below them. You can't. It just makes no sense. But, you know, it's, there again, we're also talking about a, it might be college sports, but it's still about money. And Yeah. yeah, yeah sometimes they go together, but it's a dangerous combination. Yeah. I mean, it's we're, we're talking about millions and tens of millions and even, like, we look, didn't we look at, was that last week, Nate, or the week before, where we looked at uh, the amount of money college football was getting off of bowl games and it, or, or television. Yeah. Rights, and, and it, it was, was absolutely it was absolutely frightening. I mean, it's in the hundreds of billions of dollars. It's insane. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. So, it is. It's nuts. You know. Yeah, I mean, most of the bowl games don't even mean anything. Not anymore. Uh, not anymore. I mean, the Cockroach Bowl, uh, the Dust Bowl. <laughs> the Dust Bowl. Yeah, Good well, Lord. Gonna, if anybody gets will, that. If... <laughs> yeah, we, well, I do because I'm old. But we will. We will <laughs> a couple we of will our visit. Oklahoma farmers just got offended. Yeah. We will visit the uh, call, the absurdity of college bowl names again this year, like we did last year. Where oh, it's one of my most favorite things bowl. to do. It, it's unbelievable some of the stuff that they come up with, and every year they get another sponsor that just. I'm waiting like for uh, after uh, was it was it Bang Brothers who tried to get their naming rights on a stadium. Yeah, they did, and they, and they should have gotten maybe, it. That would have been amazing. Maybe, maybe they'll maybe they'll go for a bowl game. The Bang Brothers Bowl. Bang Brothers Bowl. My God. I'd buy tickets for that. Who takes the cake? 
cactus bowl. Now there's there's okay. some. Hey, want to go buy a cactus after the game? The Dollar General Bowl was always a good one. Yeah, it's it's some of the sponsors are just totally insane and they are. I mean, the money. I remember there was only eight bowl games in the whole season, and they all meant something. Now, nobody nobody really even cares unless you are a fan of the one of the teams that's in it. I would have watched. Of course, uh, there was one bowl that uh, that thought was like a real laugher. I mean, it had, the, it had the stupidest name for it. It was named after a margarine, too. <laughs> yeah. See, I can't believe it's not Butterball. <laughs> wrong, wrong. Good try, but wrong. Hey, you do what you can. This was, the, this was actually before. I can't believe it's not butter. The, the Betty Crocker Bowl? Wrong. Well, damn it, Lou. Just go ahead, then. <laughs> It's not the damn it Lou Ball either. No. Uh, <laughs> ever hear something called Blue Bonnet? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Blue yeah, Bonnet. Blue yeah. Bonnet Ball. I'm like, what? Yeah. Why yeah, not? So anyway, you had that. Well, somebody did the math, man. And they, they went, well, if, if we can get eight sponsors to spend ridiculous sums of money, why not 16? And then that went from, well, hell, if we can get 16 games sponsored, why not 75? And now it's 127. Yeah, and that's what happened. I mean, people keep throwing money yeah, but at now it. you're going to see teams that are like two and six. I mean, two and seven get into a bowl game. No, you got to have you got to have six wins to get in the bowl game. Yeah, you better. I mean, that's talk about watered down. Ugh. Yeah, you you got to have six wins, but that that doesn't mean you even had a winning record. Yeah, exactly. Five hundred. Well, Lou, I hate to cut our conversation short, but we got to get to the interview here, so. We will bid you oh, adieu. I was going to run the list of the Bill Bowl games I meant that I mentioned. I'll tell you what, we'll save it for another time because we got to get to the, We got another commercial and another uh, gotcha. interview to get to. So we will get Ooh. you back on soon, Lou, and we will discuss more of the College Bowl we'll games you. and their hilarity. I leave if you. I, with... If you're not on next week, have a happy Thanksgiving. If you are on, I'll try to call in. Oh, we'll, we'll be, be here. I leave you with the Tidy Bowl. I was thinking that myself. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks right, again for calling in, next week. See you, right. Lou. We'll see you then. Thanks. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks to our good man, Lou, but uh, I hate to cut him off, you. Tim. I hate to cut him off, but you know what it is. Bush Bogus shakes his ass because it's time Hold for on. Bush League. Ladies and gentlemen, on the main wide man can't jump stage. It's get your dollars ready. It's Ed dancing Bogus. Bodacious Bogus himself, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Bodacious Bogus. Well, Tim, head on over to the wide men can't jump Twitter page. Oh, <laughs> Go shit. check. We got our three Bush. <laughs> We have our three Bush League nominees for this week. Go check them out. Go to the bottom one. We'll start there. <laughs> Does Ed use pasties? Please tell me yes. <laughs> Pasty. Oh, goodness. Uh, Let me know I, when you're uh, ready. I'm there. Our first nominee this week, Ennis Cantor, plays hot potato with the basketball. What is he doing? Ball bounces in between his hands like he's got blue bonnet on his fingers. And he looks like 
Okay, that, I mean, that is like awesome hand-eye coordination. Yeah, and then he, he looks like, like he's confused and he doesn't really know what happened. Well, he was looking in the crowd. He he looked in the crowd and saw somebody from Turkey, and he got worried. So I think that's what happened. (laughs) Well, I was going to blame like maybe a laser pointer (laughs) from the sniper from Turkey. (laughs) 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 Well, well, we're getting pulled off the air anyway. No, no, we're not because we we (laughs) we have no. Well, we do have advertisers, but if they leave, oh well. Um, Anyway, (laughs) anyway, that one. In his canter, you know what you were. That's Bush. Bush League. You hear me? I apologize if anyone was offended by that. I've had a long week, oh, and I have a very noise. dark sense of humor. It's all true, and he's the one who brought, who continues to bring it up all the time, so too bad. Yeah. All right. Our second nominee, the king, LeBron James. Evan Turner had him on a slip and slide. Whoop. Oh, LeBron. LeBron. Whoop. Oh, le- uh-oh. I see a new shoe deal. Yeah, Coming really. Up. That's what you get when you wear big baller brand, LeBron. <laughs> Down he goes. A, at least he didn't blow a foot out of him like Williamson. Yeah, because, uh, well, anyway. Well, it's LeBron like his hairline. LeBron doesn't move anywhere near as fast. As I yeah, for real. <laughs> but LeBron slipping and sliding. <laughs> what, what's the old thing? Slipping, sliding, something and flying. LeBron James, you know what it was, my friend. I mean, that's Bush League. And our final nominee this week, um, <laughs> Jonas Valenciones. Goes for a pass behind the head, and that didn't work. And just <laughs> a little outside. Yeah, just a little outside. <laughs> Wild thing. Okay, and that one it. didn't work. <laughs> First off. The James trying to channel James Harden, not cool. That beard's gotta go. Um, yeah, that just that's bushy right there. Oh, but you know what? what it was? That's bush league. Ah. Absolutely, mean, I don't. What did he do? Well, well, the no look pass is predicated by the that you look before <laughs> you don't look, right? The no look pass, you kind of. Even if you don't look, you got to know where the ball's going. And uh, yeah, Jonas I mean, didn't. Like, that, you know, he just, I, I'm watching it again. Like, that, you know, he looks like severely uncoordinated at that moment. It looked like he had a crank. It looked like he was trying to scratch yeah. his back with the ball. It was like all of a sudden, like his arms were extended for a brief second. And then it was like suddenly, like, you know, he had Markel Fultz syndrome and his elbows gave out on him. And. Yeah, I don't know. That's it's like he was going thing. to pass behind him, and then that sniper from Turkey got him in the ass with a bullet. <laughs> he just he threw just the ball. Thought better of it halfway through, but couldn't stop himself from making the play. Yeah. So um, there we go. We got our Bush nominee, Tim. Who's our winner this week? Uh, I'm going to have to go uh, uh, all expenses, uh, Swanson Hungry Man Turkey Dinner to Enos Cantor. <laughs> Oh, you know he hates Thanksgiving. It is Cantor, ladies and gentlemen, with the yeah, that's <laughs> just, this it's week. the look. It's the look of utter like, like somebody yeah. else's fault. That's the part that yeah. kills me. Somebody left the uh, ball in the uh, yeah. somebody I left the that. ball in in the microwave too long. That's why this didn't work. So, Ennis Cantor, Swanson's hungry man dinner just uh, for you coming your way. Turkey and dressing, you'll love it. 
Enjoy it. Ladies and gentlemen, Bogus, get your dancing shoes out. Get ready to shake that ass. It's been Bush League this week. Bush League. Starring Bogus on a pole. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, wow. We're going to hell. Ladies and gentlemen, I do want to bring up one thing before we get to our final segment tonight. Our good friends at Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, have been hooking us up. They gave me some wrestling posters the other day that I'm in love with. I got my mom some of those Kennedy postcards that they're selling right now. Hold on. Dirt cheap. Hold on a second here. I don't want to interrupt this commercial for our great sponsor, but... Why is it that you keep getting all the free swag? <laughs> is there something you want, Timothy? Recognition. I mean, you're kind of taking advantage of my good Canadian nature here by sending uh, I'll have to. I'll, no, I'll have to send I, a care I, package. I wholly understand that it's totally ridiculous to try to send anything up here. I told Steve New the same thing with his shirts. Well, if you want one, I'll send you one. No, Steve, no, you won't, because nobody wants to pay the $47 it's going to take to get it here. Well, I understand completely. Yeah, um, but anyway, back to Atomic Collectors. Yeah, I got my mom some of those uh, Kennedy postcards. Um, she loved them. They look great. And uh, <laughs> Are those those ones where he says, having a great time here in Dallas? <laughs> Oh God, <laughs> man! I I can't make another bad joke tonight. But anyway, I can. Will. Other than that, Mrs. Kennedy, how was your trip to Texas? All right. Anyway, a little bit messy. Uh, you know, losing my mind here in Dallas. But the uh, the great people. You read my mind. How's this show going to be on next week? I, was, I don't know. It will be on because we have because we pay for it. That's why. Yeah, because we sponsor it ourselves. That's why. Uh, any <laughs> quick quick breather. My coat of many colors. Next anyway, week I'd like a... to announce our new sponsor, Jim Cornette. <laughs> God, Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC. Go check them out. All kinds of presidential oh, memorabilia. Man. And, uh, you know, we may be having a care package heading to South Carolina soon, if you know what I mean, Tim. So uh, check them out. Good people. And they're about to get their store open uh, here well, soon. I, so. I, I damn near missed that, but I got it. How about yeah. that? Yeah. So they should have their store running soon. Um, that was some news they let me in on the other night. And I do cool. know once they get it open, they want us. they want a live Wide Men Can't Jump show uh, for their grand opening. So we'll make it happen. But uh, as soon as they get that opening, more info on that to come. But go check them out, facebook.com slash Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC. Let's hear some more from them, shall we? If you're into comic books and collectibles, then you are going to want to check out Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC. They buy and sell comic books, action figures, pop funkos, vintage video game systems, vinyl records, and other collectibles. Retro and vintage collectibles are their specialty. 
They have fair and competitive pricing on all their items. Their prices will make you say, Oh my God! Currently, they run on Facebook, and they're in the process of getting their own storefront in Logan, West Virginia. Give their Facebook page a like and keep updated on new merchandise and announcements for Comic-Cons and store opening in your area. They do ship, but only within the United States at this time. Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, where yesterday's memories are today's future. If you are looking for anything comic book or collectible-wise, you are going to want to do one thing. Assemble. And head over to Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Check out their Facebook page, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Big thanks to Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Great people doing great things over there. But before we go anywhere... It's time we're going to hear from me and Mike Hardy from NBA Quick Report. We're going around the league and talking about different things going on in the NBA. We recorded this the other night. It's a Tuesday night recording before Carmelo Anthony played for the Blazers, so take that into consideration. Uh, But Mike's a great guy. I was happy to have him on, and this is about a 30-minute conversation he and I had uh, just around the league in the NBA. So sit back and enjoy it. I hope you like it. Tim, what do you say? Roll the tape. Well, back on the show from NBA Quick Report. Also been featured all over Bleacher Report, Washington Post, USA Today. You name it, he's been there. It's Mike Hardy from NBA Quick Report. Mike, thanks again for coming back on the show and having a little hoops with us. Hey, yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate that, man. Oh, anytime. Always good to have you on. And uh, we're just going to kind of do one of our favorite segments here. Uh, We try to get people that cover the whole NBA on from time to time. And instead of focusing on one team in particular, we're going to hit the big topics and kind of go in depth. Let's go ahead and start. The biggest news in the past week, Carmelo Anthony back in the NBA, number double zero for the Portland Trailblazers. Melo will be back on the court as we record tonight. He'll be back on the court against the Pelicans for the Blazers. What's your thoughts on the Blazers going out and getting Carmelo Anthony and inserting him into the lineup? Um, it's kind of a no-risk, high-reward deal here. It's non-guaranteed. Um, they're off to a slow start. They're 5-9. and nine. they got to get something going. Um, their bench scoring is atrocious. 27th in the NBA. I know he's starting tonight. I don't know if that's the plan for him throughout the season. If he makes it through the season with them, which I hope he does, because I, I mean, Melo, he's a good player in my opinion. Hopefully he can uh, make an impact there. But just they need a spark. I mean, it seems like teams have them kind of figured out. If they try to lock up Lillard and McCollum, who else do they really have that can beat you every single night? So hopefully he can add a spark. I'm not sure if it'll happen or not, but we'll get a good glance tonight without Lillard for sure. Yeah, they uh, they kept Rodney Hood around. I guess they thought that would be the answer. Al Farouk Aminu left. Myers Leonard is gone. Now they're relying more on Zach Collins. Uh, Nurkic has been hurt. So really without those few players, the Trailblazers have become a uh, a two-horse show that everyone's kind of figured out. They're really – allowing the other three players on the court to beat them. Now, Melo is a defensive liability, in my opinion. My main question is going to be, can he play defense well enough to be uh, considered 
uh, good enough because he's a scorer. The man can score. He's one of the best uh, scorers in NBA history. He can shoot. He can drive. He can do what he needs to do. He's an ISO player. But can he play defense well enough to make him being on the court worth it? That's really the, the question that everyone's thinking. I hope so. We'll get a good look tonight, too. It's going to be a high-scoring, um, up-tempo game. So hopefully he can just keep it. I'm not even saying he needs to be an above-average defender. Just He needs to just be not a liability just so he can keep himself on the court and keep the team in play um, because they've had a lot of trouble with the forward position. They've had – I'm looking at it now, one, two, three, five different guys other than Hood, Whiteside, McComb, and Lillard. Um, five different guys start two or more games, whether it's Little or Bazemore or Collins or Hizonja or Tolliver. I mean, they, they're, they're just trying to find something that could work for them um, on either side of the ball. So I just – I don't know if he can keep it defensively, at least average, but I'm hoping that he can because the spark he can bring offensively is, is worth it for sure. And I've been kind of calling this uh, this problem for them for a few years because if you look at their draft history, you know, they had Lillard and McCollum, and I'm sitting there going, everyone's saying one of them's going to get traded. They think it's McCollum. Okay, they're not going to trade either one of them. I, I get that. You want to keep those two. Both are very talented. I get that. Then they go and they draft Anthony Simons. Okay, you added another guard to an already guard-heavy team. Then they get Rodney Hood, who was at – the forward spot's going to be undersized. They have Kent Bazemore. They let Al Farouk Aminu go, the only guy who really showed any kind of promise. Um, you know, they're not really blessed in the three, four range. They got a couple, they got centers, centers for days, but the three, four spot yep. is really hurting them right now. And in the in modern NBA, you've got to have a four who can stretch the floor. That's really what the NBA is coming to. If you don't have a five that can stretch the floor, you got to have at least a four. Otherwise, you're going to get beat. And I think that's what's happening with the Blazers right now. They've just drafted poorly and didn't get the right pieces to go around Lillard and McCollum because they need some talent that's going to be able to play with them and have the size and the defensive presence. And that's really where they're hurting, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree, too. And it seems like they keep drafting these projects, too. Little and um, Simons are both high potential players, but I mean, they're also, there's a good chance that both of them bust as prospects too, because both of these guys are looked at as, okay, I mean, we'll see how it pans out, but they could be a star. But I mean, right now, as it's, as it seems, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of either guy. Um, Little didn't even start every game at North Carolina. He was looked at as a really raw prospect and they went with him and Simons is a, pretty athletic guard if i'm not mistaken correct yeah he's an athletic guard but he didn't even play college ball so his last right. competition he played was at in high school uh, at img academy or something like that i don't remember where some down south somewhere but um yeah yeah i don't know they're, they're in a win now situation with their with their stud guards that they have and they draft oh, absolutely. these projects it doesn't make any sense yeah it, it really doesn't the drafting there made me scratch my head but uh, and, you know, I thought Little was just going to be a small Marvin Williams, and then he's kind of proven me right so far. But anyway, let's get out of Portland. Uh, let's head on over to Boston, where things are better than they've been in a long time. The Celtics with Kimball Walker look like a completely different team than the Celtics with Kyrie Irving. 
I've always said Kyrie Irving was more of a second fiddle guy. He's not a leader. He's a guy, he's kind of like the assistant to the leader. Like he gets the leader coffee when he needs it or something like that. (laughs) What what are your thoughts on Kyrie Irving and Kimball Walker uh, being Celtics and the difference that that's made? Of course, it's early in the season, but what difference has that brought to the table for the Celtics team? Yeah, it is early, but I think it's more of even just a locker room thing. I think that Kemba's more of a, a team guy. He's more of a leader than Kyrie is. Kyrie's more, I mean, based on what we've seen, he's more about himself. He's, you know, he's kind of out there with his opinions and whatnot, which is fine. But, I mean, when you're wanting to bring a team together, especially with the young guys that they have trying to groom them, I think Kemba's in a better spot than Kyrie, um, even though I think Kyrie's the better overall player. Um, but, Talent always, you know, doesn't always um, justify, you know, the roster moves there. So um, I think Kemba's bringing out the best in all of these guys. And we're looking at Tatum and Brown especially. Their jumps they've both made this year have been have been pretty great. Um, they're combining to score nearly 12 points per game more than they were last year, both of them right around 20 points per game this year. So Jalen Brown was getting kind of written off as, guy he's like okay when is he going to actually make the next step and I think so far he's taking advantage of that especially with Gordon Hayward going down so um, I like what I've seen out of Brown and Tatum especially this year along with Kemba Walker being the leader of that team yeah and they get rid of Terry Rozier there's not really a log jam for minutes at the guard spot right now Al Horford is gone which I would love to see this team with Al Horford because he makes everyone better. And I think Kimba would have just made his season so much better. And um, it's been a really fun team to watch. I, and Kimba Walker to me was one of those unsung heroes in the NBA. He was playing in Charlotte. Nobody really paid him any mind. He had a really bad Hornets team around him. Let's just be honest about it. That Hornets team really is not good. Yeah. Like, yeah, exponentially bad. <laughs> yeah. And he would still get him close to, if not into the playoffs. And nobody realized how much better he was making their players. He actually made Nick Batum worth money. And that that hasn't happened since Portland. So, yeah. yeah, too much money. But he's yep. made a lot of those players worth worth their, their salt. And now he's just making, when he actually has a team that's really got some players, he's proven how good he is. I mean, he was good at UConn. He's been an unsung hero in the NBA now, and he's finally getting that relevance that he deserves. He'll probably be an all-star this year, uh, providing, you know, there's no injuries. But I think people aren't still aren't looking at him like he's a superstar yet because, you know, people still talking about Kyrie Irving. Well, Kyrie Irving had 50 points against the Wolves on opening night. Congratulations, you lost. Um, right. you know, I'd rather him have 25 and a win. That's just me. But mm-hmm. what – why do people feel the need and feel compelled to go and give Kyrie their attention, but yet sleep on a guy like Kimball Walker? Why do you think that is? Um, it might just be the flashiness of the play. It might be the fact that Kyrie already has a ring. I mean, I'm, I'm not too sure. I mean, then the fact that Kyrie played with LeBron, who has Kemba played with. So he kind of gets that notoriety just because he's already been to that stage. He's, He's been seen across TVs all across the nation. If you ask somebody, maybe not now, but if you ask somebody um, across the country who Kemba Walker was three years ago, they might say, who are you talking about? Who's that? I mean, I don't think every NBA fan would have known who Kemba Walker was, even though he was an all like, I mean, a great player, one of the better point guards in the league. Um, he's just not as popular as a player as Kyrie. And 
I don't. I think he gets a bad rap for. I think if you look at the numbers, they're pretty dang close too. Um, he's just genuinely a good guy too, from what I've read and seen. Soft-spoken guy. Yeah. Um, and like you said, I I do feel bad, especially because he was on those terrible teams. I'm glad he's in a good oh, spot yeah. now with the Celtics team in a good market, um, with with competent ownership um, to be able to put pieces around him and compete. Yeah, and I agree. That's just uh, he's just such a good player. But let's shift gears yet again. Let's go to San Antonio. There's some struggles in San Antonio. They're under 500. Uh, this doesn't happen. This is not a SOS. This doesn't happen. The Spurs have lost six straight. They're five and nine right now. Thirteenth in the West. Never thought I'd see that. What's wrong? What's going on with the Spurs? They get Dejounte Murray back, but uh, you know, only ten points per game, only four assists. I mean, nothing really blowing me away there. Lamarcus Aldridge is doing what Lamarcus Aldridge does, but he's thirty-four now. Maybe those knees are getting wore out. Uh, what's going on in San Antonio? You know, I, I didn't know what was going on either for a minute. I'm looking on paper. I see, you know, they have a deep team, um, no real crazy star power, but I think they have a solid roster. You can go eight, nine deep, even ten deep, and they'll be okay. Um, but they're 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 kind of strained from what Pop typically prides his team with, and that's defense. They're ranked 27th in defensive rating this season, which is I mean, defense is normally Pop's calling card throughout his coaching career. Um, and I feel like they're just they're playing really predictable basketball right now. They're dead last in threes made per game and dead last in three-point percentage. Um, in the league, that's really trending towards star power and firepower and scoring. you got to be able to make threes on a more consistent basis than 29% as a team to be able to keep yourself in games. And they don't have any any real reliable shooters on this roster other than Forbes, who's the only person making two or more per game. Yeah, and another guy that I'm really just disappointed in, Lonnie Walker. I was so high on Lonnie Walker coming out of college. I was a big fan, thought, here's going to be a guy that I'm a Wolves fan, so I wanted the Wolves to get him. I was really high on him, but he's just really not done much, and I'm really surprised how long and athletic he is, and he had great shooting ability. But uh, what's going on with Lonnie Walker? What are you seeing? Was that injury worse than what we expected his first year? It had to have been. He he barely even sees the floor. And when he does see the floor, it's nothing to be impressed with either. So um, I don't know what it is. It had to be the injuries. Um, I mean, he's still only 20 years old, but – as of right now, he looks like a bust. I know it's only his second season, but um, for a guy like you said, I, I loved his game. I mean, he's athletic. I know I saw a video this offseason where he went up for a layup or a dunk or whatever it was, and I know the opposing bench was just going nuts because he was so high above the rim, but that's just his style of play. And um, I don't know. It's I feel bad for the guy. Hopefully it's not the injuries because that's, you know, that's a problem for a person who's not even 21 years old yet yeah i agree um but i'm thinking maybe you know demar Derozan is there and there's been a lot of struggles with him as well um just in general on some of the teams that he's on he's really just you know he does well he plays well he puts up good numbers he gets his team where they need to go a lot of times but 
when DeMar DeRozan is on a team, it just do you feel like they're kind of snake bit a little bit? Is because he was in Toronto and then they they get rid of him, they win a championship, and then I mean, granted, Kawhi mm-hmm. Leonard had a lot to do with right. that, but they're the, the Raptors are doing good this season so far, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But I'm just looking at DeMar DeRozan going, man, what is what's going on with DeMar DeRozan, and is is he is it too early to say maybe he might be hurting teams when he goes there? It might be. I mean, if you look on paper, his numbers are totally fine. I mean, 21, 5, and 5. I mean, those are great numbers with great efficiency. But, again, he just he doesn't shoot threes ever. He doesn't really bring that to the table. I mean, he's an average defender. I don't think that he's a guy where you give him the ball and you say, get me a bucket, and he's going to get you a bucket. I, I don't think he's that guy either. So he's just kind of, like you're saying, second fiddle. I don't even think he'd be, you know, on Kyrie's level, but I think he's just – the second option on a team for sure. Um, and I don't know. I feel like he's – maybe he's just not a winner. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know. It's hard to just come out and say that, but when you look at the numbers, you're like, no, that can't be it. But then right. you look at his numbers. His numbers are up. Everyone else's numbers are way down. There's got to be some coincidence there. There's no coincidence here. There's something wrong. <laughs> and it's – this is not There's a Popovich some team. Something's team going on. So here. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. But the team that he left, uh, the world champion, defending champions, Toronto, they've started off nice. I thought they were going to struggle early in the season after watching uh, some of their early games. I said, uh-oh. You know, no Kawhi could be bad. But then I see them, and not too bad so far this season are the Raptors. They're winning a lot of games, and they're putting up a lot of numbers. Pascal Siakam looks like a world beater. Uh, he's a, a very good player, and he's doing well. They're sitting fourth right now in the East, ahead of Philadelphia, ahead of Indiana, where a lot of people didn't have them in front of Philadelphia at all. Um, they just they continue to, to be good, to be a good team. 25.7 per game with 8.6 rebounds for Pascal Siakam. He just He's unbelievable. 21.8 for Lowry. His uh, shooting has gotten better, providing, you know, the occasional off night here and there. But the Raptors, Mm -hmm. they continue to get it done, even without Kawhi. Um, Thoughts on Toronto's season so far? Yeah, I mean, they're they're just playing good team basketball. And um, we are seeing the emergence of rising star Pascal Siakam, too. Like you said, that stat line is all-star worthy. And even Lowry, too, um, for as much scrutiny he's been under the past few years, like to the point where Twitter was exploding because of how terrible he was in the postseason and all that, he's playing really well. I know he's injured now, I think, for a few weeks with the um, – was it the ankle? Or no, it was his hand. I'm sorry, his hand. Um, he's playing well, too. I, I just think that overall they're they're a well-coached team. They um, – they play very unselfish, and they, you can tell they just fly around on the court defensively. seems like they're just having a lot of fun. They don't really have any any monkey on their back with Kawhi on the team now, so they can just kind of let it fly and not have to worry about it as much anymore now that they got that championship. Yeah, it's almost like they're not expected to do well, so now they're doing well, <laughs> as weird as that sounds. Uh, but they're really right, doing a great right. job in Toronto. And Siakam, uh, he's going to be he's gonna be a top – probably 10 player in the league this year, the way he's playing. And 
it's great to see his story coming from, you know, playing overseas in the Cameroon. Uh, I think, you know, if anything, maybe not for his play, but for discovering the players that he discovered, Luke Rashad and Bob Mute may deserve a medal and a place in the Hall of Fame for finding some of the stars that he's found to come into this league from over in Africa because I know he he discovered Joel Embiid. I believe he found Pascal Siakam as well. Uh, so there's so many players I that you're right. that yeah. owe their career to him. What is it? I'm sorry. Yeah, I think I think you're correct on that with um, Embiid and Siakam together. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, Siakam's just turned into a player that was in the D League and then worked his way up and and really has turned into a great piece in Toronto and. I just I really like the way he plays. He he's he's got length. He can shoot, but he can drive. He does all those little things that I like. So you know, Siakam, maybe an MVP in a few years could happen. I mean, they're never say never. I mean, the Greek freak last year was MVP. So I think Siakam has a chance at MVP eventually. What do oh, you think? Yeah, it could happen. I mean, he's still only twenty five years old, and you could see what he's at now from what he was a few years ago I mean he wasn't even really a starter a couple of years ago and now he's um, an all-star candidate bearing that it's only 13 14 games in whatever it is but leading this team um, in multiple statistical categories top 10 in the NBA in scoring I mean he's playing phenomenal and we've seen it we saw a lot we saw glimpses of it last year I know he was playing behind Kawhi um but he he was playing phenomenal in the playoffs too, and it was a really it was really good to see. And, and I mean, if he's come this far, I don't see why he couldn't keep on progressing through his game as the seasons go on. Absolutely. Uh, let's look at a couple of young players right now, and specifically in Charlotte, because right now the Charlotte Hornets are in eighth place in the East. Now again, yes, I know we're 14 games into the season, so let's not get crazy here, but. Two guys are playing very, very well for the Charlotte Hornets. P.J. Washington, this is his first year in the league. He was the 12th pick in the draft. I thought it was a reach. I'll be the first to say it. I was sitting there looking at it going, this is a reach. What are they doing? Um, They trade Kimball Walker. They bring in Terry Rozier. But these two young players, P.J. Washington and Devontae Graham out of Kansas, the 34th overall pick in the draft last year, playing out of Kansas, doesn't have that hair anymore. Uh, that we all remember from Kansas, but uh, second round pick, he's averaging 18.3 points per game to go with seven assists. These young players in Charlotte really getting it done now. You're seeing a lot of the old players that were around with all those heavy contracts are gone. Frank Kaminsky is out the door. This is the last year for Kid Gilchrist. Um, you probably won't see him anymore. Marvin Williams doesn't have much time left there. They're finally moving in Charlotte into more of a rebuild mode. Once Batum's contract's off the books, they'll be uh, a lot happier for it, I'm sure. Uh, What about these young players in Charlotte? What have you seen from them that has impressed you? Because I know they're impressing me. I do like what I've seen, um, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I know Washington, I thought he was a reach too, like you said. Um, But he can shoot it. He's almost at 50% from, from three on the year. And I saw he had a game earlier this year. He had like 27 points. He had like seven made threes in a game. Um, he can he he can score. He can flat out score. And I didn't see this coming when he was picked in the draft. Um, but I do like their young pieces. Once they get these older guys out of here with those contracts, you get these young guys: Graham, Rozier, Washington. You even have Bridges, who's 21 years old. Also, um, 
I think he's a he's a solid all around player too. Great defender, three and D kind of guy. Um, and even someone like Malik Monk off the bench, he's okay. I mean, he he can score too. So they have all these guys who can just come in and and score when needed. Um, but I mean, I like what they're doing. It's about time they get some pieces in there that can actually make a team worth watching occasionally. Um, it's just a shame they couldn't do it, you know, three, four, five years ago. Yeah, I agree. It would have been nice. Uh, Charlotte's probably the closest team to me. Um, I usually go catch a game when I can. Uh, they're about a five-hour trip. It's sad that's the closest team to me is four or five hours, um, but eh, such is life. Far. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm right. I'm about five hours from Cleveland, four and a half to five from Charlotte, depending. So, yeah, it's it's kind of – it sucks in a way, but – it is what it is. Um, I want to bring up one more thing, and this has been a big topic here, and this will be the last thing I I, I throw at you, and I appreciate you answering her thrown at you here. This is a topic around the league that's getting a lot of interest nowadays, especially with Kawhi Leonard. Um, load management. And mm-hmm. what are your thoughts yep. on guys purposely setting out games just to kind of rest? Now, I'm going to say this. My personal take, back-to-backs, I totally understand if you want to set some players during a back-to-back. Because back-to-backs are rough. But I think load management, while, yeah, you're trying to save your star players, at the same time, I don't want to see that star player, if he's load managing in the regular season, I don't want to see him playing Olympic ball. I don't want to see him out in the streets playing pickup games in the off season or playing soccer like Joel Embiid does anything like right, that. I agree. So, yep. And the, so what do you think about gyms that they have in LA? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do you think about the load management situation with these players? It's a, it's a, it's a tough subject because I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about the player's health um, and safety and longevity of the league. Um, you know, and maybe, <laughs> It's hard because the NBA brings in so much money. You don't want to just flat out say, oh, shorten the season. It's not that simple because there's so much going on with travel and and TV contracts and whatnot. But how I look at it is if these players keep sitting out um, for load management at these game time decision type deals, these TV contracts aren't going to be as um, as as lucrative for the league because they're not going to want to pay TNT's not going to want to pay or NBA TV's not going to want to pay millions and millions for these games where Kawhi and LeBron might sit for load management who wants to watch the game then I mean you're still going to watch I'm still going to watch but not everyone's going to watch anymore if these stars aren't going to play um and then at the, the day too that's going to lower the salary cap because there's not as much revenue being brought into the league so it's just hard because, I mean, they're saving themselves games, but they also might be um, jeopardizing some money in the future for themselves and for other players in the league because we're already seeing um, some of these salary caps. I think it's going down next year or it's it's staying level when it had been going up, skyrocketing these last couple of years. Um, I don't know. It, it's really hard because there's so many people now who are load managing, even – even these younger guys too are doing it and it's it's starting to get a little ridiculous and I understand your point with back to backs. I'm an advocate for that. Those are tough and um I think again with 
shortening the season, you can shorten, you can lessen the back-to-backs. So hopefully there's less load management there. So like I said, it's a really tough subject. and I don't know if there's a real answer for it as of now. You know, I've kind of been – it's tough. I hate cutting games off the season because I love an 82-game season. But at the same time, with as long as the playoffs are, and not to mention you have fans that are like, I'm just not going to go to the games if they're not going to play the Stars. I'm going to be honest. I went to a Miami Heat-Philadelphia 76ers game back when the Big Three were there in Miami. Dwayne Wade didn't play. I wasn't exactly thrilled because that was the only time I would ever get to see Dwayne Wade play, and I didn't get to. Um, So it's one of those things where you want the stars to play. You don't want to pay all this money for a ticket to a game, and then it'd be like, oh, yeah, by the way, um, you know, you're going to see the Lakers tonight, but Anthony Davis and LeBron James are sitting, so sorry. Enjoy the popcorn and the $200 seats. But I get at the same time players need to take care of themselves and that's that's the thing, too. I've always thought, why don't we start the season around Christmas? And I know that's a lot. That's like taking basically two months off of the season. But with the way we do things, we could end, instead of ending in like June, we could start around Christmas and end just before football season starts. Like right before, because football starts beginning of September. I think if basketball ends at the end of July, that would be perfect uh, because it's already ending in June. You cut a month off of the season, which limits your games. If you start at Christmas, that's when a lot of casual fans tune in anyway because football's winding down. Christmas Day is all about the NBA. They did it a few years ago with the uh, the lockout season. And I thought it was a great idea because I was really excited for Christmas Day. I was like, yeah, I get to watch all these basketball games. This is the first look I'm going to get at some teams. I don't know. I just felt Christmas Day was the perfect start time for the NBA. October is a little early for my taste. Um, I'd say after Thanksgiving would be great, though. And then, and then you can shorten the season and maybe even take the playoffs and go back to the first round being best of five to kind of save the the legs of the players. That's just my thoughts. Uh, and that could eliminate some of that load management that we talked about. Yeah, I like that idea, too, with the whole Christmas um, start date. I don't think the league would ever go back to a five-game series um, in the playoffs. That's just too much money lost for them, potentially. But yeah, I, I do like that. the idea of Christmas. Yeah, that's, that's totally fine. But um, if you short, I, mean, I don't know how many games would it shorten if you started at Christmas and then you're ending, you said, July. The finals uh, that would finish the okay. finals off. Like basically, you're cutting off because most teams play twelve back to backs. I say if we cut it down to a mm-hmm. seventy game season, that's perfect. You eliminate all your back to backs. You have seventy games still. You still have your playoff stretch. You start at Christmas. That's your you know you can do the the first part of December as your preseason. That way, guys have time to play Olympic ball if you know providing they're not in the finals per se. Even even if they are, they could still play, honestly. If they want to play Olympic ball or national ball, they can still do it. They'll still be in rhythm from that. And then they get a little bit of a break come October. Um, and then November, you need to start hitting the hitting the gym again. Um, I just think that would be better starting Christmas Day. That's when all the people, the casual fans really tune in. That's just been my thoughts for years. So just an idea. Yeah, I agree. Oh, yeah, I agree, too. Fall, fall is football. 
football exactly. season for pretty much any person out there. And I'm more of an NBA guy, but I still watch football every Sunday. Um, oh, me too. But I do like the idea. I mean, shortening it to 70 games would be good. It helps with load management a little bit. Um, and it kind of shortens the actual season a little bit for these guys too because right now October to June is is rough or October to late May or it is early June. Um, that's a long season, especially for guys who are playing such an up-and-down game. You're running all day. Um, yeah. It's a lot on your body. And, I mean, you look at LeBron, he spends a million dollars every year, so he says, on his on his personal fitness. So um, it's a lot to keep up with the grind every single day in the NBA for that long of a season every single year. So from December to, let's say, late June, early July – Maybe the finals would be right around Fourth of July, the weekend yeah. before or after. I I think that would be great. Um, yeah, I mean that would be wonderful. And you know the best part, I wouldn't have to sit through baseball highlights all through the summer, so that would be great. But <laughs> but anyway, Mike, I appreciate all the time you gave me here today. I really do. And thanks so much for jumping on the show and talking with us and giving us some insights and really raising a lot of questions here in this last discussion. I didn't expect it to go this way, but I'm glad it did because this will get people talking, I think. Uh, but let our listeners know where they can keep up with you and find you at and stay in touch with you and um, all that great stuff, whether it be on Twitter or elsewhere. Yeah, no problem. You can go ahead and um, check me out on Twitter at NBA Quick Report. You can shoot me a DM. You can at me, whatever you have, questions, comments, um, any kind of basketball talk you want to throw my way i'll be happy to talk to anybody um and yeah thanks for having me on appreciate it always a pleasure with uh with you and all your crew you usually have i know you you have a ton of different guys come on periodically throughout the week so um yeah. it's much appreciated oh it's always good to have you on and if you don't follow nba quick report get there follow mike they do great stuff over there uh some stat recaps from nights Always cool stuff, videos, highlights, even uh, even a reaction to Miles Garrett trying to destroy Mason Rudolph. Uh, <laughs> all kinds yeah. of stuff. So go <laughs> check it out. It's it's great, uh, great content there. And I we follow him, and you should too. So we highly recommend it. So Mike, thanks again, and I'll have you back on sooner rather than later. Absolutely, you know where to find me. Thanks again. We'll do. Thanks, man. And that was my conversation with Mike from NBA Quick Report. Thanks again for having him on. Thanks to our wonderful sponsors, as always. And, Tim, what do you think about load management? Um, I ain't for it, and I ain't against it. Well, thanks for clearing that up. Well, I, like I said, I mean, I can, I can see the, where – well, I don't know. I, I, To be honest, no, I, I'm against it because I don't call it load management if a guy – is exhausted. That's not load management. Load management to me is where, okay, a guy had an injury and we're trying to prevent him from getting another one. So we're just not going to play him, even though there's not really anything wrong with him. That's different in my world. Anyway, this random sitting of like, and then they, it wouldn't even be so bad if they didn't lie about it. But you know, like to wise, Oh, well, he's got a knee issue. Okay. Well, he didn't have one yesterday. Now he's got one. And then tomorrow again, he doesn't have it again. I mean, it's, it's, it's a little hokey. 
just call yeah. it what it is. You know, if, if, if you're just not going to play him, then say you're not going to play him. And I don't know, because it's, it's starting to make its way into other sports. It's, it's gotten into the hockey world in the goaltending position where they're just not playing, where they're not. I mean, that's a little different in hockey, but I don't know. Like I said, as a fan, I can understand why I'd be ripped if you don't know about it, you know, until the day of, and suddenly the guy you're going to see is not playing. And it's only yeah. because he, only because he just, you know, it's a re, it's a selected day where he just isn't going to play. Um, yeah, I can understand being a little bit miffed about that. Yeah, me too. I mean, it makes sense how, why someone would be angry about that. So, and, and, and yet I, and yet I see it from the owner side too. I mean, they're trying to protect their investments. I mean, we're talking about millions and millions of dollars. You know, yeah, like an absurd yeah. amount of money, honestly. Yeah, I mean, you don't want a guy. I mean, if if missing, yeah, you know, if miss, missing, if a guy misses one game and that pisses off, you know, a couple hundred fans, let's say, or even a couple thousand, but you lose your thirty-five million dollar player for six months. Chewy. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, you heard that? My cat. My cat just who's, took her face and hit the microphone. Who's chewy? That would be my cat. Uh-huh. Said the spider to the fly. Get into my room. What are you doing, cat? <laughs> Cat's been in the nip, mate. Get the Quit feeding the cat, cat, mate. Are you possessed by Tom Robinson? What are you doing? <laughs> Your cat's channeling baby folks. Apparently. <laughs> you can oh, hear yeah. her purring, I'm assuming. I can. <laughs> well, Chewy makes an appearance, well, well, but that's a, that's I think that's Chewy trying to tell that's me that she's hungry. That's a good way to end the show, you know. It is. A nice cat yeah. purr. So cat I believe Chewy's hungry, over. so I, I want to thank our great sponsors, Blobs, well. Stephen P. New, Strip Cam Fun, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, and Stay Classy Meats. As always, it's been a fun show, and after the week I've had, I needed a good laugh tonight, so this show brought that to me, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope it wasn't too crazy for you. I hope you still got your uh, NBA fix, and uh, we'll be back at it again next week for sure, and uh, who knows what else is going to be going on. I'll have some updates next week as soon as I can, and uh, yeah, so we'll be going live next Wednesday for our pre-Thanksgiving Day edition, Thanksgiving Eve, and uh, we'll be talking more hoops and getting ready for turkey. Woohoo! Not me. Not you, but I will, because it's America, and we're right, and well, you're wrong. Right. We've already been, we were right before you, so we've already had our right. so. <laughs> You're probably right. But uh, anyway. I do want to say, ahead. before we go, just one quick thing. Thanks to everyone who listens. Thanks to everyone that allows me to make fun of them, sort of, kind of, um, because you don't have to. But everybody's got a good sense of humor. Everybody gets a good chuckle. I guess I do throw you and I under the bus and Tom as well. So I suppose nobody, nah, can, really can, nobody can really complain too loud, but you know, I just, just a, another reminder, like, you know, everybody likes pretty short when they really stop to think about it. Um, it's just easier to be happy about things and have a good time. Yeah. Not to be, yeah, not, not to be crazy about things either, but you know, let's uh, just, just everybody chill out a little bit. It'd be nice. It'd be nice to go to 
social media or the news or whatever, just for one day, and not hear that somebody was at somebody's throat about things that, are, in all honesty, are, well, they're debatable. Let's put it that way. I don't want to get into any discussion about it. But, you know, let's just everybody try a little, little bit harder to get along. Be nice. Yeah, and absolutely. And I'll, leave it, and I'll leave it at that. And that's how I'm going to leave it as well. So thanks again, everybody, for listening. And for Nate, for Tim, for Tom, and, uh, hell, background Josh Brown, and even little Chewy here. Thanks, everybody, right. for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Have a good night, everyone. We're out of here. Thanks for listening to this broadcast on the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com slash wide men can't jump. You can check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash wide men can't jump for more exclusive content only available to our Patreon members. You can find this program and others like it on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and more. Just search wide men can't jump. Thanks to our sponsors, the law offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com. StripCamFun.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC, located at Facebook.com slash Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC, and Stay Classy Meats, where you can check them out at StayClassyMeats.com and use promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order and receive a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. Follow us on Twitter at WideJump, and be sure to keep up with all the content that's being posted there. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Wide Men Radio Network.